You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Marvel Comics Spotlight Podcast, Episode 2, Legacy 502. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we were talking about this. I kind of let everybody know last week with the idea that we're going to do more of the bigger Marvel books, the interesting stuff, and kind of put the Star Wars stuff on the shelf for a little because that dark droids finally got to us. We were like, yeah, you know, and and (laughs) wanting to do some bigger things. And I always keep saying the idea that you laugh at me saying we have a Marvel podcast, yet we don't really have a Marvel. We have an X-Men and a Star Wars one. We don't yeah. even talk about the big Marvel books, so it makes more sense. But just as a shout out to Niels, we'll maybe Aww. keep people up to date on some of those things. Because me and you are still going to read the Star Wars books. And maybe like if we do this this way and expand because this week we're going to have other people on and have more books than the two. We did last week. Maybe each month we'll check in here and give you a little Star Wars update show. Maybe. All I'll yeah, say maybe. is, yep, those droids are still having problems. That's all we'll <laughs> say. Because uh, that's going to be going on. Remember, that's going on until 2024. It's going yeah. on for the rest of the year. That's crazy. I read D Squad. It was pretty funny. I mean, it was okay. I actually read it too. I just laugh at the title. It sounds like <laughs> some weird porno or something, but. You end up with this, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a couple books. Me and you are going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man and the new Captain America, and then I'll be joined by my man Jason from the Marvel X-Men show here on our feed. Me and him talking about Uncanny Spider-Man with Nightcrawler and me scratching my head of why this is even a thing, and (laughs) then me and my man Brandon going all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, me and Brandon talking Predator Wolverine. Uh, with a weird play that uh, I think that Brandon was a little more like lenient in what was going on, but I'm not so sure <laughs> it wasn't because he was drunk or so. Some of the ideas he has are a little wacky, but it helped him like the book. So that's fine. But we're going to start me and you with The Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man number 34. Neither of us are Zeb Wells fans, really. We haven't really enjoyed this run I don't know that a lot of people have, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty much most people crap on the run. But it's gotten better a bit since Kamala died and they end up getting to what people would claim, oh, this is the the story that Subwells wanted to tell, the stuff with Tombstone, things like that. But you get to this, you know, evil Peter. Is this what we really wanted? Like most people wanted to have, you know, let's erase one more day. Let's go into this. Let's go into that. I don't know that that goes and jives well with, you know, evil Peter who's taken in the sins of the goblin. And it just, I don't know. This just doesn't feel like a well thought out idea overall. And me and you were talking before this. I don't know what happened to Patrick Gleason, this issue, because it is not great. It is, again, Amazing Spider-Man number 34, written by Zeb Wells, art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcelo Menez and VCs Joe Carmagna on letters. And so also, like, the things that I want out of the story and what we've got, yeah, I like the Tombstone stuff a bit at the beginning. And maybe I'd even go with more Janice and Robbie and, you know, Randy. That was pretty interesting, the beginning. And it, it seemed like a cool little play of, like, oh, my God, you got Robbie is always against Tombstone. Now they have the daughter-son type deal. That didn't work because it's comics. But here you're just having a play. And by the end, it looks like Dark Peter, we'll call him comes in and does a little prank 
and it made me <laughs> giggle. But even then, you said like the art right away. Yeah, the art the art took a, a fell off a cliff since the last issue because we were even looking at it before this, comparing the two, and it's definitely a big difference. It's just weird. Randy and Janice don't really look like themselves, and then no. Tombstone. If they didn't call out that I'm Randy and I'm Janice, you wouldn't even know that was them. It, it's not great, and it does not look like a Patrick Gleason deal. And so all of a sudden, they're there at the hospital, and the big thing, Randy wasn't talking to Janice, but he says he was worried about his parents, the whole deal of blaming this, that, and the other thing. At the one point when you end up having, you know, Randy's like, listen, you know, we got to see who's involved with this, and I want to be proactive. And then there's Janice, who legitimately is kind of a villain. It does things like, oh, Randy is, is. Like, you know what I mean? Randy's just a guy. And then she's like, what, you're going to come after people like me and my dad? I'm like, what is he going to come after you with? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. this would be something a little different. But, yeah, he's going to get in big trouble if he goes after them. But it's that play. It should have been more of not coming after me. It's like, oh, you don't want to be associated with some people like me or my dad. Yeah, and the, the big play would be, yeah, I love you, Janice, but your dad, is he's too, like, he, he's pretty scary. He's a bad guy. Uh, but. This whole play, as they're talking to see if he's okay, all of a sudden you see this beep because he's flatlined because, and really has he? Because with that, it's just that the, the machine has been unplugged, that he's connected. And then you hear laughing in the thing, and you end up where they look out and see Dark Peter going away laughing like it's, like I said, a prank. Yeah, he's cackling like the Green Goblin. But like, and look, and look at the tombstone. He looks, he's horrible in this. And, and, and the doctor, what, what does he have? A shaved side side of his yeah, head? Yeah, he shaved? looks like what? he has a Macklemore haircut. <laughs> what doctor has a Macklemore haircut? Hey, I'm telling you, he should be at the end of this week's freaking Captain, Captain, Captain the, America book. Yeah. He's there at the German American Bund the rally. <laughs> there, look at that they, right away too. I mean, Tombstone has some money, right? The, the thing is, if you go and this doctor shows up, you, you ask for a second opinion. Like he should have when he went to the barbers. <laughs> but yeah, they go in. And like I said, the big play here is somebody came in and unplugged the machine. I'm so like, plug it back in. Yeah, it feels like, like was it Ashton Kutcher? Oh, man, no. <laughs> it, it was Spider-Man uh, cackling because he thinks he's funny. Like it, it played out a weird scene. And in that, I see what Patrick Gleason's trying to do. But I'm such a dummy that you have Peter, Dark Peter, cackling. You end up having almost like Dark Knight Returns, you know, What's it called? Lightning. And then you have his crazy webbing. I swear to God, I thought he was trying to spell something out or make some sort of thing. And I'm sitting there. I'm like at the mall trying to look at those pictures that it's like, yeah. oh, it's a sailboat. Because I see an S. <laughs> like, yeah, what is going on there, man? That's just, it's too much. It's like, it's... and what is going, yeah, where is he going with all this webbing and shit? But yeah, so it's like, oh my God. So then. We, and this is a rapid fire issue. Yeah. And you end up like from there, you go and learn that Norman, he thinks he could just bust into people's apartments. Doesn't even knock. Doesn't ring the doorbell. Doesn't do he anything. He ends up scaring Mary Jane because busting in on Paul and Mary Jane for movie night. And I don't know why I'm cursing. I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> this is how mad I am. But the idea there, he's like, hey, hey, what's going on here? And all we can help, I think everybody just wants Paul to die. I mean, yeah, pranking Tombstone, hilarious. But please, Dark Peter, Dark Spidey, get the hell over here and just take Paul away. Take him please. out. And he even mentions that that's what he kind of wants to do. <laughs> but yeah, they who knows what they could have been up to. Norman just busts in. I love this place. Like, oh my God, 
Peter's in trouble. Peter's in big trouble. Oh, my God. You got to help Peter. What? What are you talking about? Oh, what did I say? I didn't mean Peter was in trouble. Peter wanted me to come here to make sure that you were in a It's like, come on, Norman. Just stop. Mm-hmm. Just stop your nonsense. And just as a, a further deal, Patrick Gleason, who seems to have spent like a hot two minutes on this whole issue, decides that he's got to give us Jeff the Land Shark slippers. Like, stop with the slippers and draw something good here because I like Patrick Gleason. This is amateur. Those are very bad looking Jeff the Land Shark slippers. Yeah, because slippers it looks too. like the, those eyes are it's off. A mutated it's a mutant version. deal. Yeah, it, it's bad. And we're not the only ones who are saying this. I do like. <laughs> Patrick Gleason art more than you, but this is not good. And it's he took the time to draw the salt shaker in Mary Jane's hand. Like, why? Yeah, the salt shaker. <laughs> but yet when you have Dark Peter going around, zipping around, I'm thinking I've got to read through the lines here to see what's going on. So then you had, and like you said, Tombstone. He looks terrible. So then you have all this play. Like, and then you get the, oh, my God, we're going to. And it, it all goes back to Gwen Stacy. Because then with a Dark Peter with the goblin, you know, sins. You end up Mary Jane and Paul. We got to get out of town. Oh, we'll get out of town. Let's take the bridge. No, don't take the bridge. Take the tunnel. That doesn't really make sense. No, you just insist on it, but it's just weird. It doesn't make sense. It, it's only to give It's almost a joke, but almost the idea of, oh, man, goblins and those, you know, those, <laughs> those bridges. Because here's the thing. You go in the tunnel, and when you have that, you see it by the end where it looks like Peter is going to go. He's just going to take you to the bridge anyway, right? He's just <laughs> yeah. going to go up to that bridge. He even says when he's, I'm going to get that pole. And I'm gonna... So Norman warns them. And at one point, they even, do you think we can trust Norman? Well, no, but whatever. And then we go. And the other bit here is that back and forth with Craven. You have Craven, who is the clone son type deal of the other Craven, the actual mm-hmm. Craven. But this is now the actual Craven. And so you're going to play with that a lot. You're going to play with, I'm not my father, but I am, but I'm not. I don't think anybody cares about that. They just want to just, just assume this is regular Craven. Nobody cares about that convoluted mess with all those clones and all yeah, that. And yeah, and all that. Remember the whole hunt and they were Wasn't that each other uh, Nick down. Spencer's nonsense? Yeah, it was. And it was the idea of, he even had it recently in a lesser version of The Penguin, where he end up having that bad guy and he wants to pass on his legacy, but to get there, you have to go. Instead of staying the weekend at a haunted mansion, you got to kill all your siblings, and the one that lives ends up being the one that is actually even allowed to kill yeah. the father to get. But it is convoluted. And at this point, it's just easy to just say Craven, but they're really pushing that. And they're also pushing something that I don't know that people love just the story with Craven, because overall, I don't have any interest in it. I don't really care. You have what is, you know, black suit Spider-Man again. He's got this the sins of the goblin. You're not real into it, but I'm. I see a lot of people, but I don't know why you're convoluting it up with Craven in the. Well, because back in the the eighty late eighties, there was a, a arc where uh, Craven buried Spider-Man alive, and I think this is the opposite of this. Yeah. It was just Craven's last hunt, but switched around for, for Switch, Peter. Yeah, switched up, exactly. And it, it, it could have ended there. But now you just, like, what I'm saying is now he's just there in the coffin trying to get out. There's no way you can get out of that. I mean, you're, you're getting oh, crushed by that Norman dirt. at the end seems to save him. Yeah, his, he saves him. So then Peter goes off to yell at Norman, and it's all about Gwen. Did you think about Gwen? Did you do this? And, hey, I love having this goblin power because anybody who's done me dirty, I'm going to kill him. And I'm going to get him, and I'm going to get Paul, and I'm going to get Mary Jane, and I'm going to do all this. Then 
just out of the deal you have Ashley, the goblin, queen goblin, the deal where she thought that getting those sins and that this would solve everything, Mm -hmm. and it didn't. It's almost that play of, well, I thought if I did this, it would make my life better, but it didn't. So now she's going to, it seems by the end, try to help Peter because that's not what he, you know, she might feel responsible for the idea that wasn't what she wanted. She didn't want to give the sins to Peter or Spider-Man. She wanted them to get back into the goblins so that they can then kill him. That didn't work. And you have Craven Barry. So all of this goes. Peter then, and we're just going to go through this real quick. Peter ends up going and who cares if you took the bridge in the tunnel? When you got super suit, black suit, rocket powered <laughs> Spider-Man who goes in and starts throwing bombs at everybody. Like, everybody's dead, right? Yeah, he's killed hundreds of people, if not thousands. They There's no getting out of that. Yeah. No, and then just imagine that the tunnel. The tunnel collapses and, and everybody they're dies. They're dead. But the big play, though, is as Craven's trying to get out of his coffin, Norman needs to figure out a way to stop Peter. And get him back to normal. In the meantime, Peter is after Paul and Mary Jane. Hopefully he can take down Paul and just slice and dice. And Ashley feels bad, wants to save Craven, feels bad for Peter, so she's going to go. So at the end, you have the crazy, like, almost like, oh, my God, the people who were together at first are now teamed up separately with Peter and and Norman. Because you end up where Craven is saved by Norman, who says, we got to make this right. And Ashley says it's not Peter's destiny to be doing this with the Goblin Sins. So, again, I thought that this was the play of, all right, we're going to show Peter will now realize how bad the Goblin Sins are. I thought mm-hmm. he'd be able to fight him a little more. But as it's not being able to fight it, now we'll understand Norman more. But now I'm just thinking that it's going to be Norman now sacrificing his own self to take the sins back. We'll get Goblin back, and who knows? I, yeah, I don't that's, know. That's right? it, but happen, it's a convoluted yeah. way to get to it, and really the art is, there are parts where it is just really, really bad. But by the end, it's just like all swirling together, and by the end, I'm like, I don't know that I really got anything out of this issue that I enjoyed. There wasn't really that moment where I'm like, oh man, that's really cool. Or, oh, my God, I didn't think of that. It is just Peter going around beating up people, blood everywhere. We, You even mentioned oh, before. Oh, it's over the court. top, man. He's just beating the crap out of people. Because, again, Norman. it's supposed to be that, well, you're used to this normal Spider-Man. Well, here it is. And I just think that it's just too much. And overall, the story itself, it's more pomp and circumstance. It's like, you know, it's shock and awe and not really story. And the shock isn't too shocking and the awe isn't there. Because the art, I think, is down. Yeah, it's like they're trying to tell two parallel stories and tie them together at the end, and it just doesn't work for me. I don't like it. Yeah, and like you said, you even brought up Craven's Last Hunt. The thing, Zeb Wells is trying to get you some nostalgia, but trying to make it a twist and a turn here, and I just Mm -hmm. it's not doing it for me. I know a lot of people are, and I actually came on and did a, a video, a YouTube video, either last issue or the issue before, and did say that I was actually happy that Zeb Wells was at least getting a little better. He had some momentum going, seemed something might be interesting out of it. But I don't know why, but with the art not that great, by the end I realized, like, there's not really much going on here. There's not really that much of a story and not really. And one of the things in this is like, oh, no, Craven, don't use the shotgun in the thing. I'm like, I really don't care. Like, <laughs> if you ended up going and seeing the top of that graveyard, bam. Oh, man. I mean. 
I wouldn't lose sleep over Craven no, no. in a coffin being buried by Peter. Yeah, it might be Peter blaming it, but then it kind of doesn't because he's taking care of himself there. But then with Norman grabbing him, like, hey, we got to make this threat. I'm like, all right, you just like at that moment, if this makes sense, you're seeing that the story itself wasn't anything it was just to set up what's coming next like it wasn't really like okay you end up burying craven but you buried him so that norman could save him so they could fix this it didn't feel like how really would norman even well know where out. craven is yes <laughs> why did he bust in the mirror reach King down that stick apart? down there and pull him out hey, he's yeah. there with the buddha <laughs> stick he's there with this freaking spear that he ended up getting the sins and brings it in it's like hey i got your set i don't know i at least you know Queen Goblin would know because there's explosions coming from the yeah. tunnel. Like, I guess we that's need Spider Boy to come save this issue. Well, Spider Boy could show up and actually say, uh, "Why do you have what looks like a ponytail coming out the back of your head, like some ancient <laughs> kung fu master? You know, black suit Spidey. What's going on?" Because again, in this book, there are. I mean, seriously, Norman's hair is always bad. Worst hair in the in. in Norman's comics. never had a good hair day. No, it looks like at that point that Peter might have, and you know, a kung fu master's ponytail paul has the hipster man bun and then you got old tombstone's doctor with that macklemore haircut the worst hair issue that i've ever seen in my life in any comics because everybody has some sort of thing (laughs) wrong with their hair is what's going on here it's nonsense so yeah i'm even saying like i guess janice is you know poof bun at the top she's had that before but still i just don't get it i don't get it but Norman, he can't help himself. That hair is always bad. But yeah, oh. every man bun, we got this, we got that. Just bad. But overall, what would you give this? 5.5 for me. Yeah, I think I'm 5.5. I could go to a 6 maybe, but I'm not now. And that's the funny thing is the play with Norman, like he does show up and find Craven, but he finds him because Craven has like launched the, the spear out of the it's so ridiculous and then norman pulls him out and very coincidental in my yeah opinion. like it, it, it's like it's trying to be horror but i'm giggling throughout because it's so ridiculously over the top <laughs> and nonsense i mean i like, don't need horror in spider-man comics i don't know yeah so there you go there you go that's that one but we'll move on to a new number one that we probably like a little bit better a little yep. bit better though i saw some people you know, getting upset about the cliffhanger, and I actually I'll tell everybody I actually went and showed Matt some stuff before we started. That sounds real sus, but it's actually <laughs> just normal stuff from history. You do due diligence on this one. Completely makes that last scene that we see. It's not forced or made up. This this should happen. This is what happened in New York City, especially at this time frame, and we'll get into that by the end. But it is Captain America coming back with a book that people were excited. Yeah, the Lansing and Kelly stuff with Stephen. Lansing and Kelly are not that good. To me, no. they're very boring, vanilla, mid-writers. They're, they're not very good. I've never really read that many things that I like. Some people like, you know, the Kang stuff that I thought it was boring and convoluted. I think that they end up doing nothing that excites me. And that cap, I just got bored with. But this one... New beginnings here. Captain America number one, written by J. Michael Shazinski, art by Jesus Saez, colors by Matt Hollinsworth, letters by VC Show Kermania. I like the art. I saw some people say that they like Jesus Saez, but they don't think he works with Cap. I thought it was okay. I think it's, a, listen, the last thing we saw him on was Jason Aaron's Punisher. 
And we all know how that went. I mean, this is just, this is a much higher higher profile book, which is what he should be on because I think the art is excellent. Yeah, I like the art. And and so what you get in this issue, and it's a bit oversized, uh, you're not going to get a lot of action except for these weird, like you get action, but it's this weird stuff at the beginning just so you get it. And I think that really what they're playing here is as you go and fight a, you know, Transformer Kaiju wolf <laughs> that's climbing up a building. You get the comic booky over the top action even when Sue comes and asks Steve to help the Fantastic Four. And you show that you have that, but on the other hand, Steve is also a guy about, you know, his past and he helps people out normally and, and stuff like that. So I, I do like the combination though. Well, kind of wanted to see more of the stuff like that crazy Transformers Kaiju Wolf. Yeah, the action scenes, the action scenes almost seem out of place in the story that they're telling here, which I think is on purpose because it's more of a backstory low key type thing, which is fine, but you got to throw some action in. Yeah, I want, I, I think it's throw the action in, but again, I think it's also to show that, uh, even though Steve gets involved in these, because these are over the top <laughs> things going on. Why like, is he with the Fantastic Four? He doesn't even make they, sense like, in this. Come out of nowhere, and he ends <laughs> up like it's so over the top crazy that I think it's one of those to remind people that while Steve does get involved in the craziest things, he's in space, he's in Cosmic the microverse, stuff. he's in that, yep. that he actually still is a grounded guy who. You know, maybe the idea, like I say, of Nightwing, one of his biggest powers is he's just a good dude who tries mm-hmm. to help people because it really does go back and forth between the now where his apartment that he's living in. And that's been set up with Lansing and Kelly and he's been going through that, where his mom and him grew up. It, he's going to end up he's it, they're going to ev- evict everyone. They're going to tear it down. They're going to get rid of it. And he's upset. And I like the idea that a lot of times you have books where. You think, and it's in both companies. Like, why wouldn't he just call Tony Stark? And then, oh, he's too proud. Or, hey, Tony can't fund everything or whatnot. He just calls Tony and says, hey. And I like, he just doesn't say, can I have money? He says, listen, I've never seen when somebody will say, hey, I want you to give me a loan against my Avengers salary. I, I thought that that was pretty cool. The funny play in it, in my wink wink, is nobody has them on the Avengers anymore. <laughs> it's all true. It's always Sam. So he, he's never going to be he's able to pay this back. In. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, the ideal where he's like, well, that's all cool and all, Steve, but we don't really have you on the team anymore because we like the look of Sam on the team because he always kind of gets messed up. So it made me giggle. It's not a hard sell, though. New York up. City, a real estate cheap. I think you'd be dumb not to buy that. I don't yeah, know. and he does. The problem is, is I'm telling you, it's funny. He goes over the plan with Tony. Like, hey, Tony, I'm going to buy this thing, even if he goes even more, because he's kind of coy about it. But I love it. He's like, no, 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 Tony, listen. Yes, it is the apartment my mom grew up, but it's a historical place. And actually, it's like in the middle of Manhattan. It's here, it's there. And Tony's all in. Tony's like, this sounds awesome. Oh, my God. And he goes over and shows up and almost has a heart attack that it says rent control. Yeah. Like, there's no way Tony's like, what the? What no are you profit doing? here. That's all he's doing. But that that's Steve. And again, this is a basics, back to the basics deal. If you don't know, if you know Steve's past, I still think that you can have some fun with him. Most people do. But I think it's it's nice it enough to It reminded me a lot of the, the Hawkeye uh, story where uh, he, he owned the apartment building. Yeah. Uh, it's very we, similar to If we to end this. up getting Pizza Dog and yeah. the Russian tracksuit mafia, then we're talking. <laughs> the funny thing, it would play good against Steve, the Russian tracksuit mafia. But he would just. I'm sure we'll have some some people he has to deal with in this apartment. It'd be funny if like Hawkeye shows up to just kind of like give him tips and things. 
Yeah. But yeah, that that was good. But yeah, so Steve ends up buying this and now he's gonna do because he actually was talking to the, you know, the superintendent before this about, hey, I got some problems here. And yeah, the problems are because one of the problems is you got Captain America living in this building and people attack it. Yeah. Blowing holes in the in the walls and stuff. So he's like, Yeah, I can't help you there and it's not my problem. The guy was weird. He seems like a nice guy, but he goes real heavy on the not my problem. It's almost like he's got a bag of cash and somebody paid yeah, him off the like lead. He's, like he's running off. It'd be funny if he had like <laughs> the, the dollar sign on it, like old yeah. school, and he's running off with the money. But yeah, he's like, I can't help. And they're going to buy it. So he gets the building and everybody's happy and they're bringing him food. And that's nice. And this lady ends up, and again, this is background, he says, oh, man, you know, what about your mom? What all this and that? And he talks about his dad. Dad died after World War One. Him and his mom went to visit every uh, year, twice a year. It's funny. He's, oh, oh, on the anniversary of the wedding and his birthday or death day or whatever. No, no, no. He he really liked leap year and Easter. Yeah, of like, course. It made me yeah. laugh if it ended <laughs> up being like a weird play. Like if you really people thought this was really pushed and really over the top at points. Like if you would have had their, oh, no, we, we definitely go July 4th because my dad, like, you don't do that. You just no. say they went every twice a year. And then his mom died. And then you have the two things, and they're together, and he's upset, but he's on yeah, his own cool. at 14. And the lady even asks, wait a second. I love how she's doing the fangirl math. Wait a second. That yeah. was in 1936, and you didn't become Cap until 1940. She knows everything about She him. knows everything. And he's like, yep, June 22nd, 1940, and I was 18 then. Oh, but from 14 to 18, you were by yourself? Were you okay? And I love what she says. You know, you were 14 until, you know, that you were all alone, all on your own. And then he goes, I travel light. That's not what she asked. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that he's like, I travel light, but the, the burden was heavy on, on my heart. But yeah, she's like, oh, my God, how'd you survive? And he says, I got by. And you just see him beating up somebody there. It looks like one of those those Nazi guys. Yeah, it looks like a military guy. So yeah. I think that, you know, at least that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that. You're seeing that ahead of time. But yeah, and I like how you go back and forth with it's like both Steve's looking at the apartment and then, you know, the one goes off to get the flashback. The other, I, I thought that was OK. Mm-hmm. But in that you end up where again, back in the day after his mom died, he couldn't afford this apartment. And this guy tried to help him and he ends up, you know, and you have things getting thrown in here. You will mention his friend Arnie and and then you have a Mr. Mueller. And you start throwing like German, Jewish names, things like that in here. And it shows you that he has a lot of different friends, a lot of people trying to help him. Unfortunately, World War II is right around the corner. And that's going to really divide a lot of people, even though we're all united against a common enemy. There's still bad things happen. And that's what I think is going on by the end of this issue. But they say, you know, I tried my best. And yeah, I'm sorry. I, I can't just let you stay here for free or three months behind. It's too expensive. And he ends up, well, you know, go and see what's going on. Maybe your friend can help you, all that. But Steve wants to do things on his own. And he ends up, in in the past, he does end up, you know, trying to do odd jobs. He is homeless. He's outside. He's sleeping on, like, an, in an alley yeah, on the it's, roof. It's only $30 that he needs, too, which is crazy. Yeah, and he finally does try to get that, though. I was confused at one point, though. You end up where... In the current deal, he goes off with Fantastic Four, then the fight. But when we go back, and actually, I, I don't know. Everybody seemed to say to me that they didn't like the flashback stuff, but I liked it enough. 
I just like to it. give you the tone of who Steve is. Again, if you know that, it's still okay to read this. And he ends up where you're getting close to, you know, World War II. You end up in in Europe right now. You have Germany that's just gone into Czechoslovakia, but promised the rest of Europe that Hitler said, "I'm not going to do anything else. I just wanted to get back to homeland." You guys are all safe. I'll sign this. I'll sign whatever. You guys, and he does have support at this point, even in England. Like this is just now, just a guy who's doing his thing, and it's when he starts getting too crazy. But they don't know everything about him yet, so they even say, well, you know, hey, and and Steve right away is like, I don't trust that Hitler guy. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't going to stop here. He's going to go. But he even says where I get, yeah, it's Arnie. He says, hey, the agreement signed by France, Italy, and the United Kingdom allows German leader Hitler to annex the Schutenland in Czechoslovakia <laughs> in return for his promise that there'll be no further aggression. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, that that's this is actual history, and that's what was going on. We're far from us getting involved in the war, and most people in the United States, they think that this is just stuff that's not happening to us, so why get involved anyway? And not everybody knows what really is going on. Yeah, so you're I, in that weird play. Yeah, and after World War One, I, I, I think we just assumed it, there was a peace treaty and it was all going to be good, but there's this trouble brewing right now. Yeah, right there, there is trouble brewing, but even then, if you're if you have trouble brewing in Europe, and Britain, France, Italy are all signing agreements Not and good. saying everything's, you know, kosher with this. They think Hitler's fine. Mm-hmm. This thing is, what, what does the, a, a Johnny New York care about Czechoslovakia? Most people wouldn't even know where it was on a, a globe or a map at this point. They'd be like, whatever, keep it over there. So yeah. you do find out by Arnie says, hey, uh, I know this. Play. It's really funny that he goes really into it. He might as well just say, listen. This is a place that hookers take people. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they got hourly rooms. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any any room that rents by the hour, you're going to have an interesting crowd. You're going to have a <laughs> lot of prostitutes there. Seriously. And serious. When I would go, if I would, I'd ask if I could rent by the minute <laughs> for me. Right. <laughs> so you end up where Arnie's like, hey, here's this place rents by the week, the day, the hour, the second. And he's like, okay, well, I can do that. Arnie wants to help out, but he's like, no, I need to do this myself. And he's like, selling papers, doing that, you're going to be able to do it? I can do it. And you see the guy, I mean, he's like the first dog walker. He ends up doing groceries. He's a a newsie. He also looks like he's doing the classic. I wish that you had people still in those cars, because I would think that he's doing that at a red light, Mm -hmm. annoying people. But it looks like he's set it up. People aren't in them. He's also... Possibly taking out trash. I'm not I think sure. He was, he was loading coal or something. Yeah, like yeah, like that, or you know, disposing of bodies. <laughs> I mean, again, he says, "I'm going to make He's this putting money." In the work. Yeah, and he he wants to put in the work to be able to earn his way. And I think it's part of the deal of his mom taking care of him. There was a nice little thing when the landlord is like, "Oh, I remember your mom would watch you go to school, and she really loved you." And he'd say, "Yeah, I knew she was watching, but I didn't want her to let her know because I liked her doing, you know, that sort of thing." So you end up having that. And the one big play that I thought, I, I, I don't know, because it sets up the villain going forward and sets up things. But we, we go off to this Travis Lane, who is, yeah, you know, weird. It, it ends up coming out of almost like out of nowhere in South America, where he's trying to find this temple of Osmade, the Undying, or also called the Adversary. And he ends up, you know, it's like a monkey paw. He wants to live forever like this unliving, you know, the guy who can't die. And he, he actually gets taken as a vessel by this. It was all a trap. 
And he ends up, there is that funny scene where it's almost like mind freak. Like it's Chris Angel. Like you're sitting there and he's like, uh, so when are we going to be at the temple? What? We're wow. already there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're there. Holy crap, mind freak. But then he just gets taken over. This guy was super sus, you know. I don't know. The guide. The guide. Is he a devil or something? That's what is the he? thing. The guide is Osmonde. He's there to go, and I think that's the whole play. He is the guy, and he wants to get out of this vessel to go to that. That's when he says with, hey, you know, it's kind of funny where you're, he says, you think that you're being, you know, smart and going, but you've been led here all along, and you've been duped, and here you go. And he ends up where the demon comes out of him and goes into this Travis Lane because he's, you know, he's working his way up the ladder he's an important guy then he goes off to see an ex-aim scientist ariana walters but then says hey you're pretty good let's join up i got a plan we don't know what that plan is but she's very impressed they're going to get a bunch of aim people to go (laughs) and away we go and it really does feel like it's like one of those where he's so sus and this will be kind of like a you know that sort of thing a hydra thing a a nazi thing like they're going to gather up people to go after the heroes and they even say that they have people that they already want to take out. So we'll end the, the thing ends here. And this is where people were upset where you have Steve and the guy, you know, he's, you know, five foot nothing, 100 nothing. He's famished. You have a guy coming. This guy's definitely a recruiter, too, for this because he goes, mm-hmm. by, man, you look like you could use a ham sandwich. <laughs> Steve's like, I've heard that before, jerk. He's like, no, 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 I mean it. There's a rally going on. You know, everybody's fired up, big rally, and they're giving out food, soda pop. And actually, before that, I did laugh because I forgot all about the rent. I actually thought that they played where he went and worked, that he already made rent, and he was being able to stay at that place. So I thought Steve was really dumb because this guy goes by and says, hot dogs, 10 cents, ice cold soda, 5 cents. And he's got a bunch of ones in his hand. He's like, I can't afford it yet. I actually thought he was talking about the, the food. No, he wanted to wait to no, buy the he food. He has to wait to get the rent. Yeah. Because he says he needs 30. So that's the $29.45. I actually thought we were playing a comic booky thing where he says to Arnie, don't worry, I can take care of it. And we saw him working all those jobs thinking, okay, he got the $30 and he's in, but he still doesn't have it. I'm like, Steve, you got a bunch of ones. You can buy a hot dog and a soda. But he says, I won't eat until I actually get all the money. To end up going and, and getting that three months early rent because you have to have three months down. It was that crazy deal to make thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. This guy says you can go to a sandwich. And the funny play is reading it again because you go and the guy's like, "All right, buddy." And Steve says, "On the level, on the level." Hey, thanks, brother. Forget, Forget about, about it. it. And the guy walks away. And then you really do have one quick panel of pretty much Nazi youth running yep. around <laughs> and like, "Oh, I, I'm telling you, if you had one, they'd be like." Get back here, Hansel. We <laughs> must go back to the rallies because they, they're just straight up Nazi youth. And then when you see that, I'm like, oh, crap. Steve is like and their Steve perfect right idea. Uh, yeah. I'm like, he's their perfect deal. Like, is this going to be like the Germans? Like, you would be our greatest soldier. Like, yeah. nope, I'm not going to do that. But he gets a sandwich. I mean, they're hanging out free food. What? Not that that sandwich looks like nonsense, too. Yeah, uh, it does. It, uh, it looks like, first <laughs> up, it looks like bologna with like lettuce. Who needs that? Like, I'm telling you, I, I would never in my life, maybe a hoagie, that's different, but an actual sandwich, there's not a lot. Like, I wouldn't make a ham sandwich with, with lettuce on it. For some reason, that doesn't work in my mind. Also, I would never, like, have you ever had a ham sandwich with ketchup on it? Because that no. seems like the work of the devil. 
Like you Definitely never not do that, right? No. That, that's Mayonnaise insane. Yeah, yeah, maybe some, you know, I don't mind sometimes maybe a little mustard, but I'd rather have mayonnaise. Yeah. It's like the idea. My wife the other day, I saw her. She made a soft pretzel and put ketchup on it. <laughs> I almost, like, I've been married to you too long for this to be surprising me at this point. Like, why didn't I see this nonsense before? I'm putting the ketchup on my hot dog, though. Yeah, I don't mind that. People get all upset about that. Yeah. That's nonsense. Suck right? on that. I'm telling People. you right there. He's like, hey, I'll have a hot dog <laughs> with ketchup and my ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> again, it's like, oh no, Dieter, he said to catch up here at the Nazi rally. Like, I need really over the top things happening at this play. But yes, yeah, Steve's there. Notice that he's not had a bite yet because if he did, people would get mad that he yeah. had a bite of a He's Nazi not taking a bite sandwich. of a stinking sandwich. Right? No so way. he's there and he's like, okay. And then I'm looking around. And I see this guy walking behind him as he's looking at the sandwich. I'm like, I don't know about you, guy, but you don't look like the part. You're, you're going to be pushed out here. You have a bunch of people standing around, they're doing their deal. But I'm telling you, this is actually not as bad forced or inaccurate as people would want to believe. Because especially at this point, you end up where he, and I love the idea that Steve, here's the worst part. Steve notices where he is by just looking up. There's no way he didn't see that Nazi swastika when he was getting his food. Right. And all these people and you end up because this is a a German American Bund, the group where they are having an American Nazi rally to support the Nazis and Hitler. And this was straight up something that happened very often in New York, especially New Jersey, as me and you went and yeah. looked at some things. It was bad. I mean, you can look up pictures right now where, first off, the Nazi, they ended up taking over and pretty much having a rally that filled Madison Square Garden. And people are having the time of their life. You also have pictures of people in New Jersey towns where they had parades with Nazis, everything Nazi, and people in the town zig heiling the people going by in just New Jersey. Like this was something where people were going with the message. You kind of forget about it because we end up fighting and finding out, and Hitler in America goes against them. But there was plenty of this going on. This is not forced, it's not an alt timeline. It is something because you could think that at that point that Travis Lane, oh, he ended up. This isn't the idea of Nazis have taken over America. This was a it was a group that was a big group of German American Bund. And they were really pushing the Nazi ideals. And and again, I'm not going to say that. Oh, well, they didn't quite. They were pretty much anti-Semites from the beginning. Like they were pushing every bad thing about the Nazis and people were going with it unfortunately, to show that people are sus- selling feature for them. Yeah. For a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. And I mean, New York, it, at that point in that, you, you always have that, that racial thing going on. As yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It, unfortunately, it makes sense. But yeah, if you want to look up, just look up German American Bund, right? As yeah. it says here, look up and you will see what now is very disturbing. What then should have been disturbing to most people, but there's always people who are going to go on with things like that. But Steve, obviously, but again, this is Steve. He's 14, right? Or maybe a little more because of the idea that maybe his 15. mom died when he was there 15. But this is a young Steve Rogers who hasn't been face-to-face with Nazis. America's not in the war yet. He's not a super soldier. You have to get to the point where there was maybe a crowd like Steve deciding and realizing, because he already said he doesn't trust Hitler. So he's already made his way. But at this point, a lot of Americans... Just wanted the, that whole stuff to stay in Europe. 
and really wouldn't be face to face with stuff like this. And now Steve is. I don't think it's as forced as people are saying, and I don't. People are saying it's woke because of this. And if you say, how can you say that something legitimately that happened in history? Yeah, you have Steve here, but he's from New York, and this should happen. So it's not being any woke deal. It's not supposed to be pushing anything against anybody except. And really, I don't know about you, but in my mind, Nazis are bad, and being against them. I don't think that that's that woke. <laughs> no, that's I mean, woke, then hey, I'm I'm woke because I Nazis- appreciate this from the simple fact that I had no idea this one. I mean, I could put it together, but I didn't know that the flags were accurate. This whole rally was accurate. It's uh, it, completely accurate. It makes it a lot better for me after talking to you about that. And it, it's it makes you wonder again, like, oh my god, you know, that really happened, and people were really doing that. And people in New Jersey towns are just zigzagging cars and people going by dressed as Nazis. It's crazy to think that, but it did happen, and it's just here. And there's Steve that, you know, and again, where you're going to get the deal is he's going to throw that sandwich on the ground. I'm not going to eat their stinking sandwich. Or yeah, whatnot. he's not eating that. No way. No. And that's why you didn't have him take a bite yet. But still, this is something, and, you know, you got to think that Steve, there's points in his life that certain things are going to happen and be done that really shape him as, as a man, as a Captain America. And this could be one of them. This could be mm-hmm. one of many that ends up happening. And, you know, there you go. That That's the play. And, uh, again, people are saying it's woke. But this sort of thing is always Steve and always Cap. You can say, oh, here we go again. But this is the time frame. And this actually is kind of legit. So, unfortunately. But what would you give this overall? I, I think I'm going to go a little high on this one, man. I, I I think considering where we were with the last run of Captain America, I'm going to give it a nine. I liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. I was going to go seven, five. The only thing that makes me laugh is when people are like, oh, here we go again. And to think about what the big scope is. And then I read what the next issue is. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Because it basically is Spider-Man and Cap teaming up to go against the Sinister Six. I'm like, all right. Like, that does sound good. Like, that seems like what we could have had this issue really just could have been that Fantastic Four and that Mecha Transformer Wolf thing. And But next issue, that sounds really cool. And then we'll go back into these things of his past and then we'll have that Travis Lane doing things. But I don't mind seeing Cap. I hope it's not like they're saying and it's going to be like that one page like the Fantastic Four because I, I want to see that. I want to see a cool... Spider-Man Cap fighting the Sinister Six. I think that'd be neat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to go eight. You went nine. Yeah. I, I still am more interested than anything that Lansing and Kelly did with the alien and the, the, the yeah, shield. The circle and this and that, and that, that. Yeah. See, that's nonsense. But this <laughs> is just actual history. So with that, though, we're going to go off because we still have more books to go. We, we went on longer than I thought we were going to be. And, you know, <laughs> last week we did. We did a pretty good job last yeah. week. But we went a bit more. But we're going to be talking. Me and Jason right now talking about Nightcrawler Spider-Man, which I think is a bit of nonsense, but he tried to convince me that it was good as I tried to just figure out what the hell was going That's on. That's a Jason we'll book, 100%. Yeah, that Jason is. and Ruben, those two. And just, you know, we say it, but I'll, I'll repeat it too here right before we go to that, is that Jason and Ruben do the X-Men podcast on the feed, and they ended up having too many X-Books is why we ended up doing this. But I kind of wanted to see what was going on. I kind of like Nightcrawler see how he is as a spider-man there's some yeah. cool things but it just doesn't it, it, there's no reason for it by the end i'm like i don't know but <laughs> you'll see 
You'll yep. see now as Can't we wait. go up to me and Jason. All right, we're going to continue on with a little bit of uncanniness, is how mm. I would say it. And with that, I'm here with Jason. What up, Jason? Hey, Jim. How are you? Oh, lovely. And if you have been listening to all of our shows, you would recognize Jason, obviously, from the X-Men show that him and Ruben do. So I ended up asking because they have a bunch of books this this week. I mean, oh a gosh. ton of X books. And it's funny because when I usually get the review copies, things like that, and they come in and people will ask me like, oh, is what's there to read this week? Is there a lot of things? And there are some bigger things that we're talking about on this show. But as I go through, because I know that you know as well, sometimes they label them very oddly. In, in the file of review oh, copies yeah. for the, us. They put so, a weird acronym up front and oh try to my figure God. out what does that and mean. And I never can figure it out. I never can figure So I will they're, click they're on each consistent. one. They don't do like one letter <laughs> time. I think the first three no. letters and then the two. I, who the hell knows? I, th- I think it'd be easy enough just to write the name of the book. I mean, it almost has as many characters. That, so I sit there and I click through all of them. And what I do is it's funny that you're here doing this. Like I'm like, but up, oh, that's your Jason and Ruben. Oh, that's your. And a lot of that came up this week. I'm like, yep, nah, I'm not doing that. All right, I'm yeah, not doing if that. If we wanted to do every X-related book this week, I think there were seven. That's that's more than a plethora, Jim. That's a, a lot of books. Plus one. <laughs> that, that is a lot of books. Like 114% of a plethora. That is. And especially when, you know, it's not like one of the things to, you know, to toot our own horn like a Luke Hollywood. We like to go a little more in depth. So I, I, in my mind, I'm figuring out if you and Ruben did that whole play, it would end up being a 18 hour podcast. <laughs> I think that that math is right on. But we were talking and I was trying to figure out, and you're talking about what me and you could do for this new and revised kind of, you know, also a plethora of hosts mm-hmm. on this deal, yeah, I, how we're going to do you it. didn't have enough books this week for DC, so I figured I'd come over and, and help you fill out some time. Yeah, so I ended up like, well, we could do this next week. And then I mentioned Uncanny, and you said the same thing that, well, that works out. That lessens the load yeah, on the X-Men we're already stuff. chatting about what to, like, maybe kick to the following week or not do at all. So having a place, an outlet to talk about new number one and, uh, you know, one of the more popular X-characters and kind of a spider-man book at the same time seemed to make sense exactly and i think that it's a cool play because me going through it alone we're gonna find out and if, if anybody is reading this and haven't been reading most of, i've been reading a couple of the x books not a ton i've been doing it on the slide too i haven't told Ooh. you and Robin. i'm doing it from the shadows but even so when i read through this it wasn't that i was lost but it was the idea of oh is this new for this issue, because a lot of number ones have new things, or is this something I should know from the X books that I didn't read? And that's why I'm glad that you're it's here because half a lot half, of them. Yeah, yeah, because I was actually surprised. A lot of the things that I asked you already that we will discuss when I'm talking about it, you're like, no, no, it's new right here. I, you, you haven't seen it either, and that actually shocked me. But that's kind of the play. Unfortunately, when you jump into something like this, even with a new number one, but it is Uncanny Spider-Man number one. Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Lee Agarbit, colors by Matt Nilla, and letters by DC's Joe Carmagna. Now, in that, we're kind of burying the lead a bit because the big play of this, when it was announced, and now when it comes out, it's Nightcrawler Spider-Man. And when it was announced, I saw a lot of people... This is the one that made me lose my mind when we listed listed all (laughs) the new miniseries coming out. This is before we knew anything about Fall of X, really, or the Mm -hmm. Hellfire Gala. We just got a list of, oh, here's some titles and here's some creative teams. And it said Uncanny Spider-Man. And we're both like, what in the hell could that even be? Yeah, Yeah, it it turns out that it's it's Nightcrawler. A little while ago, he got kind of disillusioned with the whole X-Men thing. 
even before they got their asses kicked at the Hellfire Gala. So he was already off of Krakoa and looking for something else to do. Wound up in New York City. And uh, yeah, now he's Spider-Man. That makes sense then. And Cy Spurrier has kind of been the, you know, Nightcrawler Kurt guy, right? Yeah, because, he's been uh, in a, a, a few different miniseries with him. It was Way of X and Legion of X and a couple Legion of one-shots yeah. in between. And that leads into this, which is Uncanny Spider-Man. And then he also has a one-shot coming up in, like, January, which is supposed to retcon and fix Nightcrawler's, like, parentage and backstory, which is famously complicated even for X-Men. Exactly. Now, I will ask you uh, right away, because I actually talked to a couple people today that do not like Cy Spurrier. They're not fans. Now, mm-hmm. what I'm telling you is I talk to myself, Jason, in the mirror. <laughs> well, but the now, man in the mirror. <laughs> yes, there were other people. Comic book, right. There were other people where I actually said, oh, I'm going to be talking about Uncanny Spider-Man. Hey, isn't that wacky? You know, hey, Kurt's the, the, the deal, Nightcrawler. And they actually said, listen, I don't like Cy Spurrier, but both of them said they like Legion of X. They actually said that they liked it. And I was wondering if you would give it the thumbs up too. Did you enjoy that series? I'm sure Ruben did. I, yes, yeah, I he's did. A fanboy. He pulls in some philosophical hippy dippy things, sort of, that kind of go past me. It don't really uh, hit me in the sweet spot. But yeah, the, the basic character work and some cool ideas. Not everything gets tied up at the end in a way that I'm so happy with, but I guess that's why he keeps getting another miniseries to keep yeah, going with. That's, that, that that's seems the way like to the do trick. It. It is the trick. That's what I call the Ram V method uh, for a lot of these things. And it's funny you say that because the, the one person who told me they really liked it, it's like this kind of deal where hippy dippy stuff, I think, is like the exact opposite for what this guy would like. But he's a big Nightcrawler fan. So he seems maybe it's just that the Nightcrawler was really well done. But he actually recommended that I go and read that. And I'm like, don't try to rule my life here, buddy. I mean, I, I'm asking you about a book. I don't need you to give me reading lists. But we end up going into this. And again, when this was announced and when they end up saying, hey, it's going to be Nightcrawler as Spider-Man, I, I'm telling you, that second it was announced, there were already 20 videos on YouTube screaming, yelling about it. I was going to have a video about it, but I, I wasn't going to scream and yell because I really didn't have that much knowledge or whatnot. But there was so much of that immediate hate that I just avoided. I avoided it and thought, well, you know, it's an X book. I'm not going to be talking about that later. And <laughs> here we are. So you end up starting out. And my big play here going in, besides, you know, I hope I don't get lost with the X stuff, is to, at the end, is this necessary? Do we need to have Nightcrawler as Spider-Man? I'll tell you right now, I'm still wondering that by the end, but I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't hate this. And actually enjoyed most of it. I actually enjoyed reading it. But I think that for me, you're going to have to really go far on the, hey, Kurt being Spider-Man means something because I'm not reading the X-Books. And that's what I'm worried about. There are a few things in here that are going to be really exciting for people who are into all the X-Books. But for the most part, this is is a side story. This is not going to be something that is the... The, you know, going to change the Marvel Universe. It's not going to change the mutant side of the Marvel Universe. This is just a character we kind of all know and mostly like doing a weird thing for a while. And hey, it's kind of fun to, to follow him along. And you know what? I've never met somebody that actually told me that they hate Nightcrawler. Like nobody's like, maybe they don't love him. Maybe like I've had people rip apart Gambit left and right. One of them, Eric, he hates Gambit. He just doesn't like okay. But I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Nightcrawler. I think most people do like him, but then when you, you put him in the Spidey outfit, all of a sudden people lose their mind. But like you said, 
This reminds me as me going in as like that cosmic ghost rider back when Donnie Cates first did it, where I'm like, I don't know if I need this. It's just the set, but I really enjoyed oh, it. it. So I hope I that mean, that ends up with this. Once you hear just Nightcrawler as Spider-Man, you can see in your head what it's going to look like. And it kind of yeah. makes sense. He's got the thin, lithe build. He's kind of acrobatic. Throw on some pointy ears and a tail coming out of that a outfit. Tail. And that, it's, those it's weird sounds claw feet. Those crazy feet. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, here's what Seisberger does as we go in, because you do start out. You get Shocker, you get all these weapons going on with all this tech, and you do end up Kurt showing up, and you see that the, you know, teleportation deal and popping in and out is perfect for Spider-Man. It really is. And they, I love the idea that they have learned yeah, what these, to do. These two like, goons are just a little bit smarter than your average goon, because they know, hey, Spidey needs the tall buildings to swing from, does the thrift. That's thrip, what I thrip. like, yeah. So he goes, they go to a place where there's nowhere to swing from, which is... You know, the joke from one of the, the Marvel movies where he ends up in the in the suburb that has to run. But this is not Peter Parker. This is not Miles Morales. This is none of those other wacky multiversal Spider-Man. This is Nightcrawler. And he can just bamf anywhere he wants to bamf to. Yeah. And, it, and, and they're it's in trouble. Cool. And that really showed, like, if you're going to play the deal of, like, oh, what would make Nightcrawler a cool Spider-Man? Bamfing in and out. That's what it is, especially later when there's a fight going on and full out people shooting at him. It really works out. Yeah. And they, like I said, they have shocker tech. They have all these things. They think that they have played it up because the one says that he was on the Spidey Stands fan site. And the other guy, again, there's a lot of quippy stuff. And I do like the idea that Cypher here makes it so that Nightcrawler, he knows that you're supposed to be quippy. He's just not good at it. He's German. He's not very he is, good yeah, at the one liners that makes me laugh. He does his best. He tries to do the thing. He knows it's part of the shtick. It goes along with the outfit. If you're going to be Spidey, you got to be quippy with the goons. And he, he, he does his best. But overall, even the goons themselves and even some of the even higher level got it gets a little bit jokey. And I some people tell me they get, but it, it fits. It fits a Spider-Man book. Yeah, it and didn't like feel you said, like, a side story. Like he took some Twitter joke he liked and just slapped it into the book where it didn't belong. It, it does feel like it fits with the characters to me. Yeah. What what you're saying is he gets a little more than Zeb Wells. Right. Zeb I'll give Zeb Wells credit. Sometimes his things are funny, but when they're not they get really cringy, but I, I thought this I thought this little back and forth with the Spidey stands was funny because you have the one guy who's like, I learned this from the Spidey stands. You mean the fan site? You went there? He's like, what do you mean? Yeah, I go there. I learn all the info and they're going back and forth, but they think they're free and clear and they've stolen human organs. They have gotten this deal. So that sets a little bit of a heroic play. Yeah. And these these guys are the only reason these guys are here is so we have like an introduction action set piece so we can see nightcrawler doing a spider-man thing yep it's like a cold open it's like the beginning of a movie where you have that action scene that's not really connected but you get to see the action and i'll give size Spurrier again i'll give him credit which again people don't get used to that because i'm not a real big fan of him but in this book i like the idea right away you see his powers you get to see not even just the powers most people know them but you see how cool they are as spider-man yeah, even get his whole astral Sword, you get all these things that are the big play of what he'll be able yeah. to use. That, that sword is a new thing too. He had some weird stuff happen with magic, and now it's like his his hope and optimism got kind of separated from him and was stolen for a while, and then he got it back. But now he kind of takes it in and out of his own chest, uses a weapon. 
and, and weird X stuff to worry about. Yeah, that is weird. But uh, it actually, and even like the character himself, like I said, I like the idea that when he's trying to be quippy, it does even feel like he he's trying to enjoy it more. But he's not like you know what I mean. He's just doing his thing. He's trying to be it, but he knows that Spider Man's a fun character who quips. So he's trying to almost force himself to do it. At points, though, he gets pretty good. <laughs> he still like wants to, uh, you know, hey, was that good? He's like asking everybody. Now, when he takes these guys, he takes them down, gets this, you know, box of human organs. I want to know where the tulips on the organ are. But you end up where these homeless guys, these park guys come. And I think that this got a little bit, not cringy, but it was a little bit too much. But it was okay. And it sets up the deal where the the one guy comes in. And I'd like to think that that's Mitch Gerard's gone bad. But he ends (laughs) up, he comes in, he's like, hey, uh. Hey there, Spider-Man, can you sign a $20 bill? And he's like, yeah, all right, well, give me the $20 bill. (laughs) It's just kind of wacky. But you do get a character that comes out of nowhere and says, where's my baby? And that's where you start getting these connections as a Sentinel Mm -hmm. shows up to kind of scan them. And that's pretty crazy. I mean, you go with that. This uh, kind of... She acts like a homeless lady. She's kind of out of it. The other homeless folks or park folks say, oh... That's sad Susie. She she loves the mutants. She's really into that. And I do love that she has a hat that says I heart Latveria. I would I would wear that hat. That'd be great. Maybe not the free hugs button. I could get arrested for wearing a free hugs button, but <laughs> I mean it's still better than the mustache rides ten cents, but yeah, still I don't think you should be wearing that. The guy who ends up where she and we find out of this mystique. There's the spoiler, but going through different personas and, you know, different shape change deal. Later on, it gets a little more sus with the free hugs. But, uh, yeah, even then, when you have that, though, you see the Sentinel, and it comes down, and not knowing all the things. I know that this is trouble. I know the Sentinels and Orcus and all that, and they're scanning. But this, I think, that where a lot of people would be more confused about the idea that they scan, they mm-hmm. see Kurt, but then all of a sudden they see that, or it registers that they he doesn't have the mutant DNA. And is that that voice in his head doing it, or do we that, know? That is a mystery even to x readers So we see, for one thing, the Sentinel looks like a giant X, uh, excuse me, giant Iron Man. is because Orcus is working with the guy who now owns all of Tony Stark's tech, so all the Sentinels now use, you know, they're called Stark Sentinels. They look like giant Iron Man, Hulk, Hulkbuster type. Which looks cool. It does look I mean, it looks yeah, really, it looks really cool. cool. And actually, the way that uh, Jerry Duggan is tying in between Iron Man and the X-Books is actually working really well. But yeah, this Sentinel scans and it, it, it thinks there's some mutants around. And so Nightcrawler there, Spider Nightcrawler, thinks that, uh-oh, we're in trouble. All you homeless guys better scram. But then the Sentinel says, oh, the genetic scan comes back negative. It's not you. And it seems to be related to some voice that Kurt's been hearing in his head. And this is also it says, a relax. Thing. We got this right. Like, right. And it, it's kind of weird. There's some and voices, this voice gets yeah. really quippy too. Uh, a little later, it's like it's a weird play. But like you said, I didn't know if this was something that everybody knew. And oh, that's the voice of his mom. That's the voice of his contact. Now, in some bits of older Nightcrawler stories, there are these little imps called Bamfs. and I think those are mostly like alternate universe, alt world type stories. I don't know they've ever been in main continuity. I could be wrong on that, but certainly not for a long, long time. But that's what they look like. It's like little magical creatures related to his teleportation power. But here, we just it, it appears in his head. It, they talk to him when other people around and no one else can hear them or see them. 
And that's all we know about. Yeah. And it says we got this. And then all of a sudden, the Sentinel ends up because it detected the pheromones. And then it, it did the scan. And then it says no, no mutant DNA and leaves, which ends up pissing Vulture off later, which is kind of funny. The idea of like, well, we have these protocols that has to go by that. Uh, but I do like that when it goes off, these guys end up, again, they seem to know a lot more. They're these park folk, uh, even with the idea of going with Nightcrawler and what they would call them and things like that. But they do talk about, what is it, Sad Sally that you said? And uh, Susie, they talk about the, Susie. Oh, Susie. They talk about the treehouse. They're like, oh, she loves the deal. She's obsessed with the treehouse. There it is. And Kurt won't turn around. And you have that voice in his head again saying, look at it, look at it, look at it. Come on, look at it. It's like really going at the idea of, come on, turn around, look. And he kind of doesn't and just says, I got to get going. But as he does, he's like, remember, if you need help, get your friendly neighborhood spudding in the man. And then just disappear. Yeah, speed him on. And they're like, yeah, I don't think that's going to catch. And that's where the one guy goes, I think you should go with Hellcrawler. The idea of almost knowing more than what most people would know of what is going on there with Kurt and the Spider-Man, which is cool enough now in that he goes off then to talk to spider-man they're you know talking spider-man's trying to like hey when you're done you eat some pizza you hang out like this but they're going through like hey do you want to do this and kurt's going through and it is funny because he does mention like yeah you know i'm doing that and i'm bamfing in then i use my astral cutlass like he's like astral what like this was a cool scene to me because it shows that kurt's doing this with spider-man's blessing Right. He's not just showing up and, you know, biting his moves. He got an old outfit from Spider-Man. You can tell he definitely modified it and changed it. But, yeah, Spider-Man knows he's here. I don't think that Kurt knows that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. So Kurt unmasks, but but Peter doesn't. But, yeah, they're hanging out, and he realizes that uh, night that Nightcrawler is having a tough time, and he's just kind of trying to and that's get his I groove like back. It. And that's why, like, it seems like this is one of those plays that if anybody would argue and say, well, why would Peter do this? Why would he do this? He really does feel like he wants to do it because Kurt, you know, is trying to find his way and trying to get past, you know, some bad things. And this might help him out. Also, I think that Peter's like, yeah, I kind of want a little time off as well. Sure. And, and, and Peter also knows that the mutants right now are having a rough time. They're being, they've been set up and blamed for all sorts of stuff they didn't do. Uh, you know, they, they were giving out, they were selling all these fancy mutant meds to the whole world, and Orcus made it look like all these meds are poisoned. And also, Orcus did some weird magical mojo that turned a handful of mutants into giant killer monsters who just started you know, killing people around the world. And Kurt was one of them. So Kurt, in a monsterized form, killed a bunch of people, but he wasn't in control of himself, so he also feels guilty about that. And that was actually when he left. The mutants was before the Hellfire Gala. He just said, I kind of need to get out of here. And that's when he, he left. And that's that almost full page, like a three quarter page that I didn't know exactly what that was saying. But you do see that. I just right. thought that's that the, they that's were the throwing crazy with the giant goat horns version of Nightcrawler. Oh, I thought was they were, you know, saying that they really didn't like the Beatles Yellow Submarine movie when I saw the Blue Meanie Killer. I'm like, really? Like that's you're throwing shade at them. But you end up going. And that makes more sense to me then, because when you got that. I know, and it, it's like set up the idea, I know you've had problems, and then I see that, and, and just being somebody who hasn't read all the things, I thought maybe, well, maybe they kind of twisted and turned, the, but he actually, like you said, turned into that, so that was something that I wasn't aware of, but while they're talking about this, and while you do have Kurt doing, 
you end up having that voice. And that's where I think, like, is that the look? Because you actually then do see that little demon at one point behind them, like in that one panel. Is that what the Banff demon guys look? So they really did look like that. So it might be part of that. But I like that it's like it does play off like a like a kid with ADHD as well. Like, come on, aren't you going to tell them about us? Like, he's there all the, these are your friends. You can do that. And I kind of thought at first it was odd, but then at this point I was like, I, I think that this is kind of a cool deal. And, and the panel, I, I thought the layout of showing where it looks like Kurt's just like, please, just shut up. Like, it's like I need to do my things. I need it's to go. And- well, because you realize that this is this has been going on for some time. He's grown accustomed to it. He's resigned to it. He's not surprised at whatever this voice is doing. So that really adds some texture because we haven't seen Kurt in a little while. And we kind of, in our in the back of our minds, we can kind of fill in some of the gaps as what he's been going through. Yeah. And I like him when he's like, leave me alone. And Peter's like, what? I just got your pizza, dude. And he's like, no, no, not you. You know, the deal, but this voice. And he, he does seem, like you said, he's not surprised by it. He actually seems annoyed by it a bit. Like, come on, give me, give me a little bit of a break. You keep doing that. But that's, again, where you do see... And and a little talk about, hey, are you going to be okay? Peter says he's kind of, you know, I'm going to get going. I don't feel that great, whatnot. But even so, with that, you end up where Kurt seems down in the doldrums. He does seem a little depressed, but he, he I'm sure he is pretty, like, he, I think he's glad that Peter's there. He has this, what he's going to try to do. And, and really what he says when he's talking to Peter at first, which really plays off being very likable, he just wants to help people. He ends up saying, I like doing this because I see some people and then I can help them. And it seems like something that he needs to keep and doing. that's what needs the to X-Men be. had kind of gotten away from for a lot of this era. That's what a lot of fans are complaining about. The X-Men weren't acting like superheroes anymore. They weren't going out and just, you know, saving regular people. It was being their own thing. It is true. I mean, even when I was reading, and I did read, just to let everybody know again, as I read up to the first Hellfire Gala. So it's been a while, but I ended up jumping on a couple of the bigger books in the past couple months just so I knew what was going on. But even then, you're right. I mean, they they don't seem heroic. It seemed like the point up. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah, it's, it was a different kind of story. I can, I, I'm enjoying the, the story, but I can tell why someone who's just into the old kind of one way of telling a story, this is a very different thing. It's almost like an indie book kind of grafted onto the Marvel Universe is what it feels like to me. For me, looking in from the outside now and things like that, and when I was doing it, it felt like, like okay, the, the X-Men, all the mutants, they've been you know treated like crap even though they tried to help. So they just decided we're just going to do our own thing. And because of that, you know, still people going against them. But it just didn't, like you said, it didn't feel like they were there to help people. They were there to help themselves and try to, you know, kind of, Stay away, but whatever. But I, Kurt, I like he says, I just like helping people. And he says, I assure you, I am doing precisely what I need to be doing, helping people one at a time. And I like that. I did like that. Neiman looks, is that like he's looking over and that's the tree house? Yeah, that's the tree, tree house. There. So, yeah, on, what I figured, on, the, yeah. on the night of the Hellfire Gala, this was where the X Men, like the actual ex superhero team of mutants who were trying to get back into the regular superheroing thing. They would hang out in the treehouse here in Central Park, and it got burned to a crisp by Orcus. Yeah, yeah. So he looks over and it's like, "I'm, I'm going to try to get through this, whatnot." But then we go off, and you go from here because at this point now you're going to hit a bunch of things that I didn't know if they were new, if they weren't, whatnot. But 
some of this, this is the Orcus stuff, some of this isn't, and it's some of it's right. new, but so, you, you go from that. Orcus has been the main antagonist throughout the whole Krakoan era for like four years now. So it's a giant team made up of people who used to be in AIM and Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. and every acronym group in the entire Marvel Universe. So it's this giant group who their deal is that they don't want the mutants to be in charge of everything. They see the mutants are going to take over, push humanity out, out-compete us. So they want to fight that. And in every book, it's expressed a little bit differently. So every book seems to create their own little kind of branch office of Orcus with their own little, like, area boss. And so this is some Orcus group. I don't know if we know where this is. Probably New York City. So we see this group of, of scientists doing their thing. And we learn that the person in charge of this branch office is Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the Vulture. And no, we have not seen Vulture in any X-Books of this whole era. This is I it, I was a big surprise. Yeah, and he, he's doing things. And I like where they're like, hey, what's going on, Vulture? And it, the guy almost gets it out. He's like, listen, I don't go by Vulture. That low name. You call me director, but I kind of laugh. <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> just, play, yeah. He just puts director uh, yeah, in front of direct, Vulture, and that makes it good. I was supposed to say director Toomes. Like, yeah, Vulture, no, I, I, did, director I Vulture. thought that he was... It's funny, and as he, did, I, thought he, I thought he was playing the idea like I'm better than the vote, but then he's like I'm director vulture, and now he's like you know got his ultra vulture costume on. I'm like okay, he's going with the vulture, but yeah, it, it's kind of a weird play in there doing. And again, I don't even know. Do we know what they're doing there? Well, he uses the word hounds, the hound program, and that's been a thing that's been recurrent in X Men books for decades now. Hounds are just basically people out or creatures or tech who can hunt down mutants. It's it's like almost like person sized sentinels. Not robots, but people. Yeah. And and so they're working on some things and you know, it doesn't go crazy. It's kind of, again, there's some funny plays where they're doing these experiments, they're doing this thing, you end up having it kind of go awry, but then you see this this thing like running around throwing people in the background. As he yeah. gets upset by the director. So all of the mutants are supposed to be off Earth now. Uh, they sent some of them to Mars. Some of them ended up in random dimensions and other books because all the books are doing their own thing. Uh, and in theory, any mutant found on Earth, uh, uh, Orcus threatened to kill 10 people for everyone found. Now, this wasn't publicized to humanity because Orcus, Orcus is putting itself forward like we're the good guys here. I actually thought, like you said, I'm like, that's a weird play, because I think they're playing the good guys. They've only like, told yeah, the about that. That's what they told uh, Professor X. You send everybody through these gates and off to, you know, off Earth, and if you don't, we'll start killing humans. And that's how he forced them to do it. But in different books, they take it seriously in some books and not seriously in all of other books. It's one of those where across the different titles, there's not real harmony on that. So in this book, they have, uh, this, this lady has captured here is called Feral, who was a part of X-Force back during the 90s, been kind of a minor character since then, but she is an existing character. And they talk about how they know that Nightcrawler is here. We could, you know, play this card and say, hey, you're on Earth, you're going to kill 10 people. But they think that would force him to just, instead of turning himself in, he would just disappear. They don't want that to happen. Yeah, they, they actually say that, it, you know, it might make him feel bad, but he'll just leave. He'll just disappear and we'll never get him. So they right. have to and keep him out. And they don't really want him to leave. They want him captured. Yeah. 
Yeah, they want to grab him. So I thought, okay, I, I thought that that was actually a pretty cool deal. And, you know, it, it set me up. But I really was like, holy crap. Like, they really announced to people that they'd kill him, like you said, then. That makes more oh, sense that they would announce it. But I do like, too, where you have Tombs and he's going on and on about, like, okay, well, the, the Sentinel saw Nightcrawler got the pheromone. Like, oh, why didn't he get him? And I said earlier, they're like, well, when it's scanned, no DNA and it leaves. I mean, it has its protocols and it goes. And he kind of ends up where they start making fun of Nimrod. They start making the idea. And, and you even have vultures. Like, that's what you get when you end up having sex toy looking a robots toy going looking around. Robot. You think like, about it. Okay. I, I yeah. guess. I mean, any anything can be a sex toy if you're brave enough, right? Yeah, That's I'm what telling I you, really, that is true. <laughs> you, you know, your morals are down. But yeah, so I, I thought it was kind of an attempt at humor there that might not have hit as well, but it's okay. But then we go back to Kurt because you end up having, you know, this lady jogging through the park and Kurt's eating cold pizza, though I don't love that that profile of him. It didn't really look because you can't really see the ears as well on that but you end up where he's eating the pizza this isn't as good as cold and you end up having this girl get pretty much attacked by a person in the same clothes as the Sad woman Susie. that we saw before said Susie, and it's it was weird and kurt comes in but this is again this is where you see the cool thing of bamfing in and out because mm. this guy has got two I, I knives think it was going clever to use that i heart latveria hat because i definitely noticed it the first time around and then when i see later on somebody else i wouldn't notice the clothes are the same because you know green pants and kind of a puffy vest and but a I guy heart and a girl yeah. it's so funny that i'm so stupid i'm like man this hat's really taking off like man i, I wish that i would have thought of that like why <laughs> it's it's like the equivalent of, of all those people in, in africa or wherever wearing the, the super bowl loser championship shirts it's the super yeah. bowl loser deal it's like hey the, uh, there's so many people running way. around now with the philadelphia eagles super bowl champ shirt from last oh. year making me cry uh yeah it is true i actually as an aside i don't we may have talked about this before but there was an outlet store in our town that actually used to get a hold of all of those shirts that not all of them but you would get the stanley cup loser but the winner's shirt you get the super bowl and at one point me and my buddy were collecting them we thought they were the greatest thing ever i don't know what happened to them i thought it was pretty cool but you end up where uh you have this fight and again i thought man everybody loves let very here and he ends up fighting he kirk doesn't realize and he kind of thinks maybe this guy because it's a guy now Maybe the guy stole the homeless person. Yeah, and this outfit. guy is very aggressive. When we saw Sad Susie, he was just kind of shambling around, kind of confused, looking for her baby. But this guy is just going up to this this uh, jogger. Uh, who, she is, I think she's really funny. She seems like she stepped right out of an Archie comic, is the way she's acting. She is just kind of kind of ditzy and goofy. and She's got her mini disc player. She's like that old... It, you know, things that she's using for jogging that she doesn't want to give up. She doesn't she realize that her, her life is in danger from this crazy person with two switchblades. Not one, two switchblades. Two switchblades. And, like, rubbing them against each other to make that noise that Kurt actually says. I like where Kurt also taps on the shoulder. Yeah, hey there, but he, he taps on the shoulder with the tip of his tail. With That's the cool. tail. Yeah, and then, ba-boom, hits him. But, yeah, I was going after them. And it, it, it's funny that it's the ditzy girl who then throws herself at Kurt it's like, oh, my God, you're a sexy Spider-Man. I love your exotic accent. Like, it's from the dark dimension. And as she does that, 
she has almost what would be the equivalent of like a mood stone type deal, but it's legit. It, it's a pheromone, mutant pheromone stone that starts to Yeah, beep. she says that Orcas is selling these for a couple bucks, a little mutant detector. And it's going off, and of course, we think it must be because of Kurt. But then we see that Sad Susie, well, the guy wearing Sad Susie's clothes, but looking like a dude, suddenly fades into being Mystique. Mystique. Which is crazy. And I like the idea because in my mind, the way that you had Seisperger play it is that she jumps into like Kurt's arms. She actually jumps in a little after, but she's right next to him. She's hugging him, all this. It starts to beep. I thought it was beeping still from him, but Kurt was going to go, oh, yeah, because she goes, oh, my God, that homeless person is a mutant. I thought he was going to go. Yeah, he is a yeah, mutant that, and like take that off mutant over there. But it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny play as it is. It's mystique. And then he bails. This woman gets left at, like she gets left hanging so bad where she, she was sees hoping mystique to get digits boom. or email address or something, but no, she's left tail. high and dry. She's trying to get tail. He's tail, yeah. <laughs> she actually does like the tail at one point. Uh but I like the panel progression because the minute he sees he goes mystique. And you don't see anything but him coming out of a bath away because he has to get her away. He like grabs her, boom, they go off. And I thought that was really, really cool. And you see the lady, she's running around. But then when you're doing that, it's like such a weird progression, but a cool way of there's a plane flying above. Well, let's let's talk about Mystique for a second here, because this is the major uh, continuity point for people really into the, the current X continuity, because as far as we knew, she was dead. She was at the Hellfire Gala, and she tried to resist when Professor X made everybody leave. And it looked like she resisted too hard, and she had like a a stroke or an aneurysm. And she fell off a cliff into the water. Oh, she's dead. But then her body just wasn't there anymore. So obviously, we're in a comic book. The body disappears. We know she's not really dead. But we were wondering when she was going to come back. And to have her show up in the Nightcrawler book is kind of creepy. It is her son. So that's the connection. It makes sense that they would be, be connected to each other. And she's looking for things. Now, I will go with the idea that I will, me and you are older fellows. You've been reading comics more than me, maybe not as all your life, like some. <laughs> but the idea, though, I think we've gotten to the point because I said it on some other podcast about the idea of bodies and things and whatnot. I am now just going to completely... We have seen so many people die in their body. We just saw Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. We saw the oh. body in Peter's head. She's alive. I, nobody dies anymore. But really, if you end up having somebody say they're dead and the body, you know they're coming we back come at some back point. soon. Right. Everybody else, like Magneto died a while ago. He's going to come back. But it's it's like you know, six months to a year that he's going to be dead. It took some time for him, at least. I did laugh when I was looking at the deal where you sent me some things of when Mystique ended up falling. And I guess, is it sinister that actually him and Modoc are laughing it up? And It's one of the other sinister. One of the sinister. Yeah, That's what I figured. And Dr. he's Stasis. just there. And he's like, okay, Dr. Stasis. And he's like really explaining. Look like she had a struggle. I'm like. Yeah, I don't think she's dead when it happened. He's so happy about it, though. But, yep, here she is, though. And, yeah, and and she seems out and about. And who knows how it plays out? Because it almost looks like she doesn't know really what's going on around her either. So that might be the play. Before the next issue comes out, X-Fans can have all the room to speculate that they want whatever's going on with Mystique. Because we know nothing except she's alive in New York 
and really confused. And confused. I mean, even the idea that she, now that you see that it's her going and the whole play before, like her being obsessed with the treehouse, almost the idea that she's trying to get back to it, but it's not there and she can't explain it in her head and whatnot. But so that happens when you fall off a huge giant building oh, on some rocks it. below. I mean, seriously, but I do like that progression. Like I said, you can see the plane in the air and then you kind of boom, boom, and then you're in the plane. But I didn't really know exactly what was going on. But you said even this is kind of yeah, a new thing. Like an epilogue, basically. We're not going to see mm-hmm. yeah, Nightcrawl anymore. Like. We, we see him and his mom bamf off mysteriously and we don't, we don't see them. So this is just kind of another thing for us to speculate about. We see this team of kind of random unknown mercenaries on a plane flying into LaGuardia, we're told. One of them... One of them is hiding his book, which uh, is it Fils et Fromage? Like, Fils et Fromage. I don't speak French, but I'm pretty sure that's Chicks and Cheese. That's, I think it is Chicks and Cheese. <laughs> I speak a little French, but I mean, this guy, I love the idea that he's trying to hide it, but he's not doing a great job from us because it's funny. But I'm like, oh, and it's a lady there in a bikini with a big cheese wheel. I'm like, all right, that seems pretty funny. Uh but yeah, I, I ended up again. This was where jumping into a new number one, but things that were yeah. set up and next stuff. This I didn't know if this we don't know new or anything not. about. Okay, uh, there's one. The one guy who seems to be like the main guy. He has little skull tattoos around his right eye. His name is is it Kramer or Kramer? Kramer. K R E M E R. I don't know how you say it. Red, Red Sergeant, Sergeant Kramer. Kramer. Yeah, Kramer is there uh but yeah he's got those so you know he has yeah, a and they're okay a team design. being called in we, we saw that uh the vultures said he was going to outsource the uh the hunt for nightcrawler so this is the team he's calling in just some group of mercenaries and we kind of go through how yeah they've, they've been given all this information about nightcrawler they're flying into new york city they see some pictures from him back when he was a monster and then at our last page we realize oh they work with Silver Sable. Silver Sable's there, and she is on a glider. It looks like, you know, a goblin glider, but it's a Sable glider here. And it's funny because I'm reading this, and you have that Kramer, Kramer, and he's talking. He's like, this thing's a freaking monster. And then you end up where it ends up being Silver Sable's like, I don't know. I'm looking at it now. He's cute. I'm like, I thought that was still Kramer. I'm like, oh, man. He's, yeah, he's one of those, one like, of those oh, word yeah. bubbles that comes from off panels. You don't really know what's going to. The thing that got me, though, is because when they're on, because you see the plane in the distance and it makes sense. And once you see what's going on, is somebody looking at a, you know, a heads up display out. But the thing is, you were getting Silver Sable in the kind of like overcome word bubble. But then because we pulled out, we get a regular word bubble that had been Kremlin. I'm like, all right, he's in the Nightcrawler. I guess he's in that. The other guy likes chicks and cheese. I, you know, everything's up for grabs. It ends up being Silver Sable, though. Looks pretty cool. I mean, she's there, and it looks like she's, you know, just doing her thing on her glider and says Silver yeah, Sable she's out going to do a deal. She just kind of pops up every once in a while, and here, you know, every she's never really stuck in my head as having a strong character. Like I, I couldn't describe what makes her tick or why she's cool. She's just one of those kind of. She usually has a team of some sort of high tech goons to do a thing. I don't think her country exists anymore. Is Simcaria? Don, I believe. Yeah, I, I think it might be. And, and that's, yeah, that's a weird play because, again, we were trying to figure out, and I said, I know that there was a book that you ended up having her in, and now I'm starting to think it might have been in a weird play out of nowhere. I think it was the Bullseye 
mini series thing that we had at some point. I don't wow. even know what it was, but now I'm thinking that they crossed paths and there was a lot of Sankari stuff that you kind of triggered that. I don't know, but like you said, she just pops up. I like her look, but it doesn't really stick with me. Afterwards, I'm sure there's, you know, some Silver Sable League or something out there that really love her. But like you said, it's somebody to me that just shows up, does her thing, disappears, and we don't see her for a while, but I don't mind her. I, I think she kind of looks kind of cool, and we'll see how this goes. We haven't seen her in X-Men, so this is not connected to anything. I think this is just a Cy Spurrier trying to bring in another cool bit of continuity, another cool Marvel character, so that instead of just having random goons hunting Nightcrawler, it's Silver Sable. And why not? Yeah, and... and- I, I like that. I mean, you get that a lot of times with, say, like a Wolverine. Like every, every character in that play, if they, you know, if they're on the team, then the team elevates, and you're like, okay, because if we ended up at the end of this, I'm like, who was that team? You'd be like, who the hell knows? I mean, they're just these guys. Now it's Silver Sable's team. It works out. So yeah, it gives them okay. a little more, a little more oomph. Yeah. So I, I actually thought that that was pretty cool overall. Uh, but overall, what would you give this? Yeah, I think this was a, a fun book. I, I like how Cy Spurrier writes Kurt Wagner, or Kurt Wagner, however German you want to say, Nightcrawler. So, which is important because he has the voice down, he has the, the, the heart he has that he's been going through some rough stuff, but he's trying to come back. So I think the core of the book is going to be strong. Uh, I think the art looks, looks pretty good. I, I love the way Lee Garbett draws Nightcrawler as Spider-Man because you see that he's definitely Nightcrawler. But he's also definitely doing a Spider-Man thing, so he captures that that look really nicely. Uh, this book was a couple of weeks later than it was supposed to be, and I think towards the end, especially in that uh, jogger scene, some of the backgrounds really go just you know flat color. So I think maybe that's where some of that came in. But but for all the characters, look fantastic, so that's important. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to read the rest of this. I like the little connections to continuity. But yeah, I'll give it a eight point three out of ten. I'm I'm gonna go. It's weird. I was gonna go seven five when I read it myself, but now that I understand what I should have known or didn't know and what's new and whatnot, with that new explaining the other things, I'm gonna go eight. Nice. I actually liked it. I thought it looked good. It, like you said, at a point near the end, yeah, it kind of got a little bit off, maybe, but overall, I I thought it looked pretty good. I like that like clean looking cover deal. I thought that that looked pretty cool. I mean, most of the things in this I thought were pretty cool. Yeah, so, the, the Tony Daniels cover looks looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, I I thought that that was pretty neat. I thought that that was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go eight. You went eight five, so pretty pretty much eight three. Oh, eight three. I thought you were a little more positive than that. I mean, you're starting to get negative here. Ah, uh, yes, I'm an eight. So what am I? Uh, but with that. Thank you for joining me. And everybody, well, you, if you haven't listened to the X-Men podcast with Ruben and Jason, go and listen to that. More for, I would say, Jason, not Ruben. We'll throw Ruben, Ruben. over the bus here. <laughs> Ruben? Ah, uh, Ruben. And I'm sure that Ruben will listen to this. And now all I'll hear is that Jim gave Cy Spurrier a good score because anytime Cy Spurrier even comes up. Well, we're trying to warm you back up to Cy Spurrier because I hear he's going to be on the podcast again next week. So yeah, it'll be we'll next see week how with that the goes. Flash. I think I'll like this a little bit. I will I'll point something out here. Mm-hmm. I'll point something out that I really liked about this. And it's something that it's like addition by subtraction. Uh, there were not many if at all, any narration boxes in this. That's very And true. there weren't a lot of metaphors. And that's the two things <laughs> that drive me nuts. Similes, metaphors, and narration boxes. So we'll go three things. But those are the things that drive me nuts. But he seemed like 
He was focused on telling a fun story and didn't try to do anything like crazy like that. So I'll give him a lot of credit. So eight out of 10. I'll go up to an 8.1. Mm-hmm. Almost to what you are. I'm going to go up a little tick more because yeah. no narration no boxes. No narration so I'm boxes. In. There are some swear boxes that turn out to be the vulture speaking a couple panels later, yeah. but that's, that's but it's different. it's not that omnipotent, this is like a, you know, sludge in a honeybee thing. I mean, he goes real That sounds better in that. German, I bet, but yeah, okay. you know, yeah. that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining me, like I said. And we're going to go off and finish the podcast with one last all right, now I'm here with my man, Brandon. What up, Brandon? What up? What up? And I asked you to do this, and you said you wanted to do it because you are a Wolverine fan. Yeah. You're the resident Wolverine fan. At one point back in the day when we were doing the Marvel podcast together, there was that dispute of whether you were more of a Wolverine or a Spider-Man fan, <laughs> and everybody was going, you're Wolverine, Wolverine. You're like, well, I really do like Spider-Man. But just to let everybody know, you're also a big Ben Riley fan yes. as well. So yes, we have all version. that. Yeah, yeah. So we will be having you on the Marvel podcast once again, like we did back in the day. I don't think we're going to get Eric back at all. <laughs> Eric, Eric, actually, it, it surprises me sometimes when he brings up things that he had read back in because I didn't realize he was on the podcast for as long as he actually was. But he is long gone now. Yeah. But here we are. Predator versus Wolverine. It is issue number one. We thought it was a one shot at one point. You definitely said that I, you didn't know. Yes. When this ended, I was I was taken aback. I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, I remember I did a news story on it, so I kind of knew. But even as I was reading, I was like, okay, is this continuing? How are they going to do it? But we'll see where you do have the Wolverine going through different time frames, different timeline deals with the Predator showing up to cause you know, mayhem. all that fun and mayhem Revenge, and death and destruction. Yeah, well, he likes to fight the biggest things, including Orca at one point, which was crazy. <laughs> know, but this was... is, I know, this is Predator versus Wolverine, number one, written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Ken Lashley, present day art. Greg Land and Jay Lyston in the young Wolverine. Adria DeVito in the Team X stuff. Colors are Juan Fernandez in the present day in Team X. Uh, Frank Diamara on the young Wolverine. And this is Corey Petit lettering it all. He is the man. Sometimes to you can't find all. the credits, and other times they're so detailed you don't want to read them all out. Here's the thing: as we go through, a lot of times when I do some of these Marvel things, we will end up, and I'll I'll read the recap page, I'll read the info page. You're gonna have to do that on your own because that's another novel in and of itself. Yeah, with it's this just talking. origin stories, though, basically yeah. for both of them. You know, it gives you a quick rundown of what they're about. Now, with that, there are some things that people might not know about the Predator. I would think that people reading Marvel books, though, this might be a big enough thing that maybe they wouldn't know Wolverine, but I, I, I think that most people do. Now, here's I, know, the I thing. think a prerequisite for enjoying this book is at least having a background for both yeah, characters. Yeah, for both. And so when you end up starting this, you, you actually said that you like this. I think you're going to like it a little more than me. My basic thing is I was kind of bored, but when you think about it, if me and you are going to write a Predator book, you know, Predator versus anybody, you have to, like, think of what you're going to do with it. Because that's the thing. You're, you're playing them off Wolverine, and you're, you're kind of going to go with both of them being trackers, both of them being able to find. And I, I just don't know if that's the greatest thing that I, I yeah. thought of. Very as similar a skill book. sets, which, you know, kind, kind of was some of the, I guess, my interest initially coming into this. I... I 
always remember, you know, when I was super heavy into reading everything all the time, seeing the Batman vs. Predator stuff, and there were there were a couple other ones, um, uh, Aliens vs. Predator, you know, the comic series and stuff like that. But I never got to read any of them. So when this came around and Wolverine was on the that that's you know the entire story of it catching my attention. Just I never got to read. The other ones that previously would have probably, you know, grabbed my, my attention. I probably would have liked them in some aspects. And this one, just brand new, you know, no background needed. I was like, all right, good jumping on points. Yeah, and you, you jump in and you get present day Wolverine where he is all destroyed. I mean, the art at the uh, beginning by arm. Ken Lashley is really good, right? Test, testing the healing factor limits Oh, my here. goodness. <laughs> I mean, when he's running. He's and- got <laughs> bone there. <laughs> he's got his bone. Just sticking out in a way that's like even really crazy because it's not even sticking out. It's no, just it still, still there, right? It's still it. there. Yeah. yeah. So he's there, but he's leaving a trail of blood. He's getting chased by the predator. And again, if you know anything about the predator, when you see those three red dots, you know there's trouble there. Everyone knows when you try to run as a kid with no arms, you're not nearly as fast either. You know, you try, you've tried that before. During my childhood, I had both <laughs> arms, so I, I don't know if, if I don't. But he is trying to run away. He's hurt. And you get that beginning of, oh, my God, I'm usually the hunter, but now I'm the hunted. I'm the prey. I'm leaving blood behind. I'm really, you know, throwing it out there. And then you kind of end the scene into the credits page by having Wolverine trying to get away and the Predator actually revealing himself to like, okay, we're going to take yeah, it. Pulling the cloak off, yeah. Yeah, and you have Wolverine down below. They're like, you know, in this rocky mountain of Canada. Yeah, it does look like it. And so <laughs> when, when you're doing that with it, again, there's a cool scene. It starts it off. It's exciting. You want to know what's going on. He sees him there, right? I mean, the angle is a little funny. Maybe he doesn't because he's just like looking over and we'll have to see what goes on. But that's like, okay, that's what I expected from this book. All right. It's cool. You kind of get a really like a cold up. You don't know you're right in the scene. Wolverine's already hurt. We're going to get. I'll be honest. I like that, though. Like, yeah, there's that. I know they get into we're about to transition into the, you know, the hard cut here and, and build the backstory. But this Coming in as what I thought was a one shot. That was fine for me. And I was like, all right, right, let's go. And I wanted to keep that going because (laughs) in this whole play, I mean, I think that it's very obvious. And how we're going to do this is it's going to show this history. Oh, my God. Young Wolverine ran into the Predator. Weapon I, I X. didn't need that, but I, I ended up liking it enough. I'm honestly. actually saying to you, I just want to see present day. I just Me want to too. see him I, getting that's, attacked. That's, so. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree there. I when it when I started picking up what's going on here. Oh, we're going back to 1900, and and then we see a young skinny version of what I assume is this same predator. Um, I, I, here's the thing: it really spells out that there's multiple predators at the end. I even. know. Yep, I multiple, still think multiple. that's the same one that's just brought a group back. Maybe it may be. It it actually in the that's what I'm saying. We'll have to see in the solicits. It actually said, "Hey, Wolverine ran into a predator before, and then he ended up later." Because even at the one point, this predator sees another predator. There's some crazy stuff going on. It took me that. That's also why it took me a, a minute. To figure it out when it said current day I'm like do they mean current day like 1900 current no, day no. <laughs> so that's the big play though when we go back to young Wolverine here well, he's the young strapping lad I, I don't really 
I'm not that interested in young Wolverine no, in the 1900s Alaskan no, territory, right? I like Wolverine as a character a lot, but Bone Wolverine, when, when, as soon as the bones come out, it's, it's so less intimidating to me and not as interesting, personally. I, I like the trauma post uh, you know, uh, metal on his, his skeleton. And so I was actually going to say to you, if, if it was me and I had my druthers, I could go with Weapon X Wolverine. Pretty cool. You have a group. Maybe they're sent out. And that looks like what the cover hints at, too. Yeah, know? but yeah, and we have <laughs> it. But Young Wolverine is just not that interesting to me. So no. he ends up where. It's my least favorite portion of his life. Yeah, and honestly. it's a big part. And it's Greg Land's art, which. I don't know. It just isn't gritty enough for what we ended up starting with the Ken Lashley stuff. So what we get in this young Wolverine, though, is that he's out and about. He's in the Alaskan territory. There is, yeah, he's doing all of his gathering and stuff. And they end up selling their wares at a certain point when, you know, the traders come in. But it's known that he always has stuff to sell. So he goes He's into the He's got the, the most, bar. it seems like. Yeah, yeah and, and these guys attack him. As as that's going on, a guy wants to hire him who claims, my son has been kidnapped. We have all this stuff going on. It's a job for this guy. So they want to hire Wolverine. And then just to show that he's pretty tough, after drinking a lot, he ends up beating the crap out of these two guys. I mean, he looks like he kills them. So Savage he ends up, and they were going to kill. They were going to kill him. And he yeah, even says one of one of the killed. interesting things is he doesn't want to pop the claws, the bone claws here, because then it it, it makes people, you know, all mm. of a sudden people are going to start. That's good enough without him. It looks like. I mean, and this is the part where it would be like, oh my god, a demon or you know, a ghost. This is 1900. So he ends up. Yeah, he uses. A bunch of saws and blades. Saw. Yeah, yeah, he ends up sawing the guy's Knives. arm off. And this guy then wants to hire him. While that's going on, because we're not getting the Predator stuff yet in the young deal, you have the Predator just randomly going around killing things. Yes. That, that, he's there with a few days to Can kill. Can we talk about this? After he lands, he finds a previous Predator here that was killed, but not by Wolverine. Maybe that's what drew him there. And then he's like on the attack. He ends up yeah. seeing the I don't the know. Blade. I just feel like they were trying to foreshadow something with Wolverine diving down to get the beavers, who I guess hang out in frozen water. And then uh, the, the kind of... Maybe the Predator tried to do the same. He didn't make it up. They're showing, like, Wolverine is stronger there. I don't know. I'm thinking too much about it. <laughs> I think he just sees that, and he's on, you know, the hunt. And he's hunting things. And, and you do get that progression. Again, Predators, a lot of times, they just want to be the biggest Predator. The best hunter. Yeah. Like that's To me, that's their whole goal, to be the... Most elite hunter, yes. So when he's doing this, you know, hey, he's going to take down an elk, a deer. He ends up going after a, a lion. It looks like, and eventually he takes down an orca. Like we said, it's just crazy. <laughs> that, then while that's going on, you just have this play with young Wolverine as being, he's being lied to. You don't really get it, but no. it, it, it's not a shock. But the basic play is he's being led to take care of this group of people because supposedly they ended up kidnapping a kid he ends up hey father and son things go with me but when they end up going through they end up seeing just this like horrific part of the woods where it looks like the predator killed everybody and pretty much skinned them alive anybody within a five mile radius here is hanging from the tree yeah they're all dead and you know with that wolverine's all pissed off they think these people had done it well while that's going on you do actually see 
the predator is kind of on on the hunt here. And this is where when things are going down out in the woods and in this hunting cabin that they are told these people are holed up on, he's not worrying about popping the bone claws. He pops those and they go running in while the predator is watching. These guys, the thing is, this was a dupe. The guy who ended up, you know, setting this up, he just wanted his money. That these guys didn't give him. They had a yes. robbery. They took too thing. much of the cut, and he's just taking it all back. He wants know. it all back. He wants yeah. these guys all dead. Wolverine goes in slicing and dicing again. He goes feral because of this whole play of not just, hey, these people stole this kid. He actually also thinks that these people ended up getting some of the, you know, some of the Inuits and, and some of the natives. Yeah, he thinks they're responsible for all that, those bodies outside. Yeah, but. and so it's like, these guys are awful. The, one of the best things is, is when Wolverine goes in and he just starts going to town. He gets shot by that guy then. The, you know, yeah, the guy reveals behind. he's fat. Yeah. So then the guy likes to tip his cap. He's like, hey, got my money, tip my cap. Head gone. You end up where the predator just shows up. This is a skinny predator too, right? I mean, look <laughs> yeah. at this guy. He is posing off in these trunks. It looks like he's like, you know, Mr. Sports Illustrated swimsuit model here. He comes in. He's got the fishnets going on. I'm like, look at you, Predator. And then the fight's on now. like a 13-year-old boy putting his football pads on for the first time. Yeah, it does. The helmet is huge. So Wolverine attacks and does get him like kind of in the neck area under the deal. And that just what it yeah, does. It looks like a jugular shot with the way, you know, because he's both like, oh, we're both fatally hit. And we're both healing. Oh, our, yeah. Our yeah. And ways. they're going to test, he says, we're going to test the healing factor because while Wolverine gets the predator in the neck and kind of the, you know, the face area, he gets run through with the spear. The only reason, to, in my mind, Wolverine went for that headshot. Was because you want to have the predator take off his helmet to see the predator. Just how ugly he is, yeah. And he is so ugly. I mean, it, but again, it doesn't really shock Wolverine because he's too busy getting run through. He's too busy at points getting claws cracked, and so you end up just having. This is the big fight. You end up at one point. Wolverine grabs the, the spear out, and then he goes to run, but then he gets hit by. That glaive, the shrukin, or whatever. He's yeah, got yeah, there. whatever you would call it, uh, the deal. And so, what had happened earlier, you did see, and we're told by Wolverine, where he keeps all of his pelts, all the things that he gets. Like you said, Fair dives cool. in. He dives in the water and just grabs these beavers and comes up, and then he has <laughs> the pelts and goes into the cave. And there was a bear there that was hibernating. But even then, you see why he did it because those other guys that tried to kill him are like, "Hey, where's your stuff? We're going to take your stuff." Well, Predator ends up tracking him down again, tracking blood going through. Predator's pretty nimble in this. Like at this point, you're I'm telling you, Wolverine is way He's lucky. just running for his life. Yeah, yeah, he is way lucky at this point. And I think that in the weird way where we would have thought that the play would be the Predator keeps coming back because he has to get better. He has to go or, or even other Predators show up. I think that Wolverine is in big trouble here and he runs into this cave. If this and this bear is pissed, he's sleeping. The bear's just hibernating, and the bear actually goes and just seems to rip apart the predator. Yes, looks like it sneaks up on him. Yeah, if it wasn't for the bear, I think Wolverine's in big, big trouble. Now, with that, Wolverine has that weapon, and the predator has pretty much decapitated the bear, and now the fight's still on. But at least Wolverine got to end up running away. So. You're doing that. Okay, there was some action there with the Predator chasing him down. But I really, 
I don't know why I wasn't that interested in the that story, the setup, and hey, I have my kid here, and we're going to get that the money. The interesting part is because this is where they transition to to like the next portion they're going to tell us about, you know, possibly the next time Wolverine. This is the Weapon X stuff. Yeah, this is all Weapon X stuff. Does Wolverine not know this bear gets taken out? But it's almost like he thinks he escaped this predator and and had the bear won the day. You know, well, I think he does. I think that when I think but that when we like go he back, goes back to this cave, all the time. I, don't, I, I don't know. That's the thing. I think that basically, and we'll go back and we'll actually continue that story, and then we'll pick up these. That's the kind of thing that I didn't like, especially going through three timelines. Like, I, first off, we know that young Wolverine is going to survive. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to die. He's going to survive. Obviously, yeah, the tension even in is, the in the, is in the story they cut from immediately. The the current day. That's the one you you want to see. I'm I mean, not... maybe maybe you could have played. Do you think it would have been better? Like, it say we just had three issues. First issue, Young Wolverine. Go through, have like forty pages. Young Wolverine. He's doing his thing. See how it ends. Next page. Ne- next issue, Weapon X. And then do, and then the final issue, Present Day. Maybe it would have been better that way because I think that in this, like, there is no real tension. Yeah, you know that Wolverine is going to die. Yeah, whatever's yeah. going to happen here, but. And and you don't really have the connection here, like you said. Like at the end, you might want to see like a a predator that's almost dead getting his ship and go off, so that when we see the weapon, like, oh, he's gathered an army. He's yes. back. It's him. He's yeah, doing that's this. A, that's kind of I'm saying. If I had to, I enjoy what I'm reading. Like I, I don't hate this story. I think it's it's good enough. You know, it's entertaining to me. But I think the way it's being told is kind of the incorrect way to do it. You know, I. I it's taken my my interest out of it a little bit because we've spent so much time in 1900s fighting this predator when and didn't even finish the story. It seems unless yeah. unless the predator in the 1900s decapitates Just keeps the bear coming back. and then leaves, like he learns and now he's taking that back and coming back stronger. I I do think that's eventually what's what's kind of happening. Uh, I don't know how long these predators live. Honestly, that's it's kind of like a, a weak spot for me in the movies. I either I don't forget or I haven't watched enough of them to know. But you would think this one, if he's lived as long as Wolverine, is elite of the elite anyway. Even without his Wolverine encounters, because they're they're a, a predator. Unless you're the top of the top of the food chain, you're you're not surviving in that species. So, and when you say that, when you look, and and here's the funny play: if Wolverine would have not gotten the jugular, right? Because he went for the jugular shot. Somehow he went through the eye and and ripped out the predator's eye, right? And so the eyes yeah, so you and have then, a mark to know. Yeah, you need a mark. Now yeah. in that you do they could have show the neck. You just gotta wait for him to take his hand. Yeah, that's weird. It's like he's like, man, my neck hurts. But you got the hickey still here's buddy. the thing too, and, and when we're talking about the play <laughs> There is what looks like, and again, people who would know more Predator stuff, but is there a ton of real, like, hardcore Predator? I don't know, but he does have that different helmet. When you get to the end and you see the guy in the middle, it has to be the guy from 1900. The scaled because helmet. He's yeah, the only one who has it. the scaled helmet. Everybody yeah. else looks like they have the new fangled helmets. Like, look at those teenage Predators yeah. with their new kicks. Their like, he's tribal off, right? tattoo helmets. Stupid helmets. <laughs> like, I got old school. I got the, the, you know, the scaled deal. But So it does look like that, and they even have a little different. But that, I don't know that that's enough for somebody like me or you, where we don't really know what 
You know what I mean? Until you said it, and I just scrolled to this last page and, and looked real and quick. Yeah, it, I didn't right? pick up on it until now, yeah. And I do see them kind of focusing in some shots here now on that, like, brain-style top of the head but he again, has. Is, is this guy coming back 60 years later? Because, you know, we're, we're probably in, and they South America many years ago, the Weapon X stuff, you would think it's, like, 70s, late 60s, something like that. Is this guy coming back 60, 70 years later? Because, man, I'm pissed off. I beheaded that bear and you ran. Like, yeah. is that the end? Like, because if that's the end of the young Wolverine fight, that is pretty lame, right? Yeah, because no, it's just, again, even him cheering, to the beginning here, it's the brain style, you know, helmet he's got at the very beginning. So it does kind of look like that's how they're threading this like predator. Yeah, yeah, the that, story, that must so. be him to get, and he's they're showing their back. history. I just, I, you know, again, because we end it with the Weapon X, that's a portion of, of Wolverine I really enjoy. You know, yeah, I, 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 I really that, dig. Cool. So I, I think I'll even like the next issue a little more. Um, Do you think it's funny that actually when the Predator he goes back and he's like, listen, because again, the Predator, I, I'd love to see the meeting when he goes back to try to convince all the other Predators to come with him. Because it should be like, really well, talk. I know you'd love to hear that. Like, conversation. I'm telling you, they're like, you didn't beat this guy. We, like, yeah, you're we've weak. been back here three, four times now, buddy. With help now, it looks like it. That, maybe that's it. He brings help the second time, and now this third time, he's all alone. Like, we're not going back with you again. You're a loser. In the second time, it just ends up being a coincidence that he's like, oh, this is going to be great. All you predators here, come with me. We got one dude. We're going to go. But then when they go back there, it's Weapon X. It's the whole team now. And that's, I think, the only reason you have numbers and seems kind of a little forced. But we'll see. Because you got, obviously, Sabretooth, Maverick, yeah, he's not and dying. Jackson. Maverick's yeah, not Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not getting those. So that, but it'll be a cool fight. You'll yeah, have them going to town. So it's basically South America. And that's more of a Predator-type feel, too, than in the, you know, frosty Arctic and the, you know, Alaska deal. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Weapon X does. Yeah. But overall, I was kind of bored with the young Wolverine. Uh, what yeah, I'm going to give it a 7.5. I, I enjoyed the art in the beginning, I think, is my favorite. I liked the art at the end, the Weapon X kind of stuff. The the 1900s uh, story and art-wise was my least favorite por- portion of the issue. It made up the most of it. So, you know, but I didn't hate it either uh there, there's some fun to be had in there like you know hunting shamu i don't i don't want to hear humans are the only ones taking them out anymore and being solely blamed for that and there's it looks race. like he's like riding it like he's like loving everything <laughs> about it he's like what <laughs> i can't tell is he riding it or murdering uh, it in cold you, blood i, I want to sure. put like the whole woohoo in a word <laughs> bubble as he's in, that's why yeah. they came back Namor's going to have him. a word with the Predator yeah, really. next. So, Predator uh, goes back and he's like, you get rides on these orcs. It's awesome. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Yeah, and yeah so yeah, we'll see how I, it goes. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it enough. It, it, my, I would say this. my, uh, Some of my um, negatives, I would say, are more my expectations coming into it and not necessarily what it was presented to me. I I like find what 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 it was given to me and how it was presented and how it looked and how it was told uh you know it it's not what I thought it was going in but it, you know it's a fine story and and I look forward to continuing. Yeah, I'm I'm a 6 6 out of 10 and really when again I said I didn't really need to see young Wolverine. Yeah. Really, I mean seriously, if you end up at the end now you have multiple predators coming but pretty much, you, you do look, and you look at the Weapon X squad, 
and that is like an Arnold with a Jesse yeah, Ventura. Yeah, yeah. It's totally like, Predator that one could rip be off, really right? fun. That could be yeah, really fun be with fun. it as they go against small little predators. So I think that that might Who's be covered fun. in mud out of that group? Who's going mud? Oh, well, it's it's Maverick. It's, <laughs> it's gonna do, but his mask is going to end up screwing up. Crow is just going to be I don't know. He's he's, I think he, yeah, he he's, he's going to be the first one trying to be so Jackson is, is way done. But you end up with all of this going down like the idea of Weapon X versus a group of predators like that's the action that I want to see now, not young pre- yeah, young Wolverine grabbing some beaver yeah. pelts, yeah, he's I agree going with into you the there. town, I agree he's with getting you there. a kid like, that was the filler to pad out the seven ninety nine price tag. It's almost like Ben Percy thinks like, oh, I have to have a legit story no. besides Predator and Wolverine. No, you need Predator Wolverine. That's all we need. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see them stab each other with their stabbing Yeah, and things. that's why the Weapon X works, because they could just be sent somewhere. You don't need to set up. You end up, hey, a bunch of people are dying around here. They're doing this and doing that. They, they get sent there. They're there. Just like Predator. You don't yeah. really need that much backstory. But yeah, the whole play of a kid and he's kidnapped it's just uh it's not predator that that's the worst thing of it like you're i would be the editor and he's like this is my story i'm like well what about these pages because i don't see any predator five pages i want that 40 of it and one shot this for 10 bucks and there you go glossy it all then right to i remember this Weapon X. That's all you don't go yeah, further yeah, yeah. back. That's all you need. But yeah, we'll just, see. We'll just see a how rematch, it rematch too. Like I don't need a hundred year history, hundred and thirty year history with these two guys. I just you know, a, a a rematch. You end up seeing that like you do with the Wolverine at points too. Suddenly we're seeing that the predator he served in World War Two. Now he's protesting <laughs> yeah. the Vietnam War. He's a big Beatles fan. You gotta it's like he the predator becomes Forrest Gump. Him and he's his buddies everything. just came down to, to take a picture across Abbey Road here and Wolverine and then Weapon X. Selfies. Up. Right? They're doing that. At one point the one girl's yelling, Run, Predator, run. He's run like Forrest Gump. He's on the Alabama football team. <laughs> It'll work out. Uh, maybe that'd be fun, but We'll go. I'm a six. You're a seven five. So you yeah. like it more. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll check it out when it comes back. Thing. We'll check it out again when it comes back. But for I sure. will have you join me for more Marvel stuff because you are a big Marvel fan. You just have lapsed in your reading like a lot of other people. Poking around the pond and, and seeing what I can dip my toe into here slowly but surely. The pond. Are you beaver pelt hunting? You're there and you're well, fish that predator out stadium bit. hole somebody fell in earlier this week yeah, in Buffalo. Yeah, that is so. true. What, on cocaine and LSD and Cocaine, stuff like LSD, that? marijuana, alcohol, and there was something else in there, too, I'm pretty sure. Maybe, like, wings. Wing sauce yeah. would be that last <laughs> yeah. one. I'd, Buffalo Red Hot. I forget what comic we were doing and what even podcast we were doing, but I did make the joke about if you fall through a table, then you're definitely from Buffalo. <laughs> Something <laughs> happened in, in the issue. I'm like, that guy went through a table. He's from Buffalo. He's so. tailgated one too many oh, times. Oh, my goodness okay. gracious. But, yeah, and, and I hope there are some people still around that were listening to us back in the day that are happy to hear you talking yes. a little Marvel. Back a little bit, you know. Kids are older now. I, I can I can relinquish a little responsibility. Yes. Yeah, that's you know? really what happened. So, yes, but I, I have you back for this. They I can have feed you back themselves for, for some DC. I'll get you back fully. So that would be cool. A lot of people <laughs> are jumping back at this moment. So maybe that is the case. But thanks for joining me as always. Yes, sir. And that is it for this week's show. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody who joined me to talk Marvel books this week. We'll continue doing this Marvel Spotlight podcast. And maybe 
We'll just keep adding, adding books, and it'll just get bigger and bigger. This one, a pretty big podcast, but if you want to go and get more podcasts, more Marvel, DC, indie, manga shows, you can go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash weirdscience. Help support us for everything we do here and get a ton more. So thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird Science is the revolution. Weird Science is the revolution.